0: Uh, the portfolio committees from public works and defence uh, for joining in on this matter as we find a convergence for collaboration on the issue given that it's cross-cutting and um, so that there is no duplication um, of activities and resources uh, as part of effective and efficient So, colleagues, I welcome all of you um, this morning. So, I think because uh, the meeting is very straightforward, on our side, uh, we met with the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure on the issues of the Border Post uh, fence. Uh, It expressed our concern about uh, the processes around procurement uh, and also the fact that the fence uh, does not uh, seem to be fit for purpose and that the costs uh, of it are astronomical in comparison to what is on the ground. Uh, Colleagues will remember that uh, 21 million rands had already been paid of 37 million rands. Uh, What we received at our last meeting was that that. uh, The further payments had been frozen. The minister uh, at our last meeting, so we'll hear from the AG. At our last meeting, it was brought to our attention that. um, the SIU had uh, also conducted an investigation, and
1: that national and The matter stands now is that
0: we wish it to have an oversight to pay bridge, um, and I'm advised because at the time we kept postponing because of the lock down. I'm advised that the the portfolio committee on public works and infrastructure um, has set into motion a process for a program of oversight, uh, which I would uh, suggest we look into, uh, and as part of the collaboration we join in, but we will get those details. Um, the chairperson of the portfolio committee has been in touch with me, so I will, will finalize that particular one, colleagues. So what I will um, do um, we welcome the minister and the deputy minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, uh, Minister Delil and Deputy Minister Kivit. And what we'll do is we're going to um, hand over to the um, to give us their presentation and then National Treasury will come in. I saw that DG is present uh, um, and then we will proceed to National Tre- I mean, to Auditor General. Um, I would request that we are mindful of time because the sitting of the house is also scheduled for this afternoon. So, um, Advocate Mutibi, I will hand over to you and your team um, to take us through your presentation. Mr. Ntombien, please enter the apologies as we have received them into the record. All right. Um, Advocate Mchibi,
2: over to you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Honorable members, uh, colleagues, and other Honorable members uh, in the the meeting, uh, Honorable Minister, Uh, I saw uh, the minister is in attendance. Uh, uh, I'll I'll open up Honorable Chair and uh, I'm attending with my colleagues, uh, Mr Leonard Legheto, who is the uh, the Chief National Investigating Officer who was overseeing the investigation. Uh, And with us is also Mr Johnny Leroux, who's the uh, Forensic Investigating uh, officer is actually the project manager, uh, uh, who project managed uh, this investigation from our side. Uh, in attendance from our side also is Dr. Wells, who is the Chief Legal Counsel. Uh, this matter is uh, is also on his way to the Special Tribunal, so he's attending, uh, so that he could appraise the committee on, uh, on where we are, uh, with this matter going to the Special Tribunal. Uh, We would like to make sure that it ends up there speedily. Uh, Honorable Chair, uh, without further ado, uh, uh, this is the uh, matter that was uh, uh, brought to our attention uh, by the department itself. Uh, They contacted us uh, and uh, uh, brought the issues to us and indicated that uh, uh, they would uh, like SIU to assist the department in the investigation uh, of of uh, of of the irregularities uh, relating to the uh, border post uh, in 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 Bridge. Uh In fact, it's the current uh, acting uh, DG who contacted me at the time, uh, and uh, we put in motion the process to enter into a secondment agreement, which we do as SIU in terms of our legislation, particularly. Uh, Section 3, Subsection 6 of the SIU Act allows uh, the SIU members to be seconded to state institutions to assist. And then we entered into a secondment agreement which effectively uh, saw the kickstart uh, of our uh, collaboration and assistance in this investigation. Uh, We did that and the presentation today will appraise the committee uh, in terms of uh, uh, our investigation our outcomes and uh, some of the actions uh, that have been taken. Uh, with your permission, Honorable Chair, I'll hand over to my colleague, Mr. Lakheto, to proceed with the presentation. Thank you very much.
0: Now, unless I'm
3: um, finally to you, um, I he may proceed. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister, and Honorable Deputy Minister, and Honorable Member, present and colleagues. I'm going to do the presentation as outlined there. Uh, this, this slide just talks to the index of what we're going to discuss, which will be the background, scope of the investigation, general findings of the investigation, recommendation, and conclusions. As the head has just outlined, on the on Monday, the 16th of March 2020, ministers issued a directive to the director general of the department, directing him to appoint service provider using emergency procurement process in relation to the erection and repair of borderline fence at the Bake bridge border post. The directive from the minister referred to section 27, subsection two of the Disaster Management Act. And according to the minister, the purpose of issuing the directive was to secure the border in order to prevent the spread of COVID. Still on the background, and on the 25th of April 2020, the minister requested the department's anti-corruption unit to conduct the investigation in the procurement process followed by the erection of the fence. DPW approached SIU for assistance, and member of SIU was seconded to the department. The investigation commenced on the 28th of April 2020 after concluding the secondment agreement between the SIU and the department. And I just need to indicate that this was the collaboration between the SIU and the department anti-corruption unit member that conducted the investigation. Dealing with the scope of investigation, we were to determine whether DPW followed a fair and transparent SCM processes as prescribed by Section 217 of the Constitution during the appointment of the contractor and consultant. And we are also determined to determine whether any feasibility study was conducted for the services of erecting the 40 kilometer fence. And we also were to determine whether there was any value for money and whether the work performed were in line with what the clients department, which was SNDF, requested and also to determine whether there was any criminality and if the SIU could consider motivating for a proclamation. Remember during this time, the proclamation was not issued. We were going to investigate to see whether we cannot get a a proclamation in order to investigate this matter in detail. General findings on the investigation are as follows. The investigation revealed procurement irregularities perpetrated during the infrastructure delivery process, as well as possible acts of fraud. The irregularities identified include irregular application of emergency procurement, irregular appointment of the contractors and the principal agent, the effecting of an advance payment of 21.8 million to the contractor and 1.8 million to the principal agent within days of their respective appointments and was irregular as no material was delivered or in construction has not yet commenced. The department failed to test the market in this regards to at least determine the reasonableness of the contractor's price. The procurement framework of bid specification evaluation adjudication was not properly followed. National Bid Adjudication Committee, who adjudicated on the appointment of the uh, PA and contractors, failed to ensure that proper SEM process were followed. The appointment of the contractors was predetermined, and the above-mentioned process failed to achieve the objective of a competitive, transparent, reasonable, and fair procurement process, making it irregular in terms of section 217 of the Constitution, as well as Treasury and departmental regulation in this regard. <clears throat> An assessment conducted by the professional review team of the item in the bill of quantities, drawings and specification, and the work as built indicated that they were not aligned. The assessment also found that the fence is not in compliance with the drawings and the specification. The value for money assessment conducted by the PICC technical task team indicated significant anomalies. The total project cost, which includes both construction and engineering fee for the contract, was 40.4 million. Although the con- although the contracted amount was ost- ostensibly calculated at 2016 prices based on an earlier contract. The evaluation indicated that some of the items quoted were in fact not based on the 2016 prices. This includes site establish- establishment cost exceeding 1 million, which should not have been charged, and excessive unit rate for specific items. The assessment found that the overall total project cost should have amounted to 26.1 million. Was therefore overpriced by 14.3 million. An assessment using market related price for material actually used on site and revised fee for engineering service provided for a total project cost of 23.3 million. This indicated the project was exceeded by an amount of 17 million. No proper review of the bill of quantity was uh, conducted by DPW, and this consequently resulted in the contract price being inflated. This also reflected the real risk of the DPW of having failed to test the market. The 2020 market market comparison also indicated the price of 2016 Rates were also inflated during the time when it was made. Poor construction practices compromised the effectiveness of the fence as a deterrent for crossing the South African border with Zimbabwe. The barbed wire coils were stretched beyond its recommended effective limit, also, making it easier to scale the fence. These factors undermine the effectiveness of the fence to mitigate border threats. The significant elements of the border fence project were not implemented at all. For example, the design of the fence had a final height of 2.2 meter, and the final actual height of the fence reached not more than 1.8 meter height on either side of the border, making it more easier Scalable. During the SIU visit on the fourth and the fifth of May 2020, we recorded at least 115 breach of the fence, which may have resulted in an untold number of unlawful crossing between South Africa and Zimbabwe. The construction of the fence is also in material breach of the condition of the provisional site clearance certificate uh, (PSCC) including breach of environmental regulation, as well as deviation from the approved line of construction. Given the non-compliance with aspect of the design specification and poor construction practices, the fence is, is no fit for purpose, and current payments in this regard <coughs> may already be regarded as fruitless and wasteful expenditure. When coming to a recommendation, in our report, we recommended that disciplinary charge have been recommended against 14 senior officials of DPW as a result of range of alleged act of misconduct perpetrated mainly during the procurement and construction phase of the border post. Uh, it is also recommended that the department should register a criminal case of fraud against the principal agent, main contractor, and designated official for misrepresenting the DPW that the project progress was achieved in order to justify a progress payment when this was not the case and for financial misconduct where appropriate. The principal agent and main contractor must be restricted from doing business with government subject to the application of relevant due process. It is recommended that DPW should issue should report this material non-compliance with environmental law and to consult with the Department of Environment, Forestry and Fishery so as to correct non-compliance in this regard. It's also recommended that principal agent fail to act in the interest of department and accordingly breach their fiduciary duty towards the department. And it is therefore recommended that their contact accordingly be referred to Council for the BELT Environment and Engineering Council of South Africa for further investigation. DPW must ensure that appropriate training is conducted and awareness is created that the system of governance that regulate the activity of department has not been suspended as a result of COVID-19 related emergency. Supply chain management should use the appointed service provider to conduct due diligence on tender processes. Any further border fence initiative should be located in the context of this program in terms of an integrated national strategy, best practice, and border management master plan, duly aligned to and noting the recently signed Border Management Authority Act of 2020. In conclusion, Chair, I just need to indicate that DPW has started with the implementation of the recommendation from the report, and SIU is approaching the special tribunal in order to cancel the contract and to recover the loss that has been suffered. That is all from us. Thank you, Chairperson.
0: All right. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much, Advocate Mutivi.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, just on the last slide, as I indicated when I opened, uh, uh, Dr. Wells, who is our chief legalist in the room, he can actually unpack that last line that indicates that SIU will be approaching the special tribunal. Uh, the, the matter, as I indicated to the Honorable Committee, was, was conducted uh, based on the secondment, uh, not uh, uh, under the proclamation at the time. Now it is uh, the the proclamation is in place, so so we had to make sure that uh, uh, our our legal standing it's normally referred to as the as the uh, uh, the 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 standing which would allow us to bring uh, the court uh, matter which is uh, called locus standi. We had to make sure that there's a legal basis and our legal footing is sound. So, I would like to just get the uh, Dr. Wells to indicate, firstly, uh, what, what have we done? Where are we? What are the timelines uh, to get to the special tribunal? And this would be to, reco- firstly, to ensure that the contract is canceled and ensure that there's recoveries uh, that needs to be made on behalf of the department. Thank you, uh, Dr. Wells.
4: Uh, good morning, uh, Honourable Chair, Members and uh, Ministers. Uh, just in line with what Advocate Matibi mentioned, is that uh, we, we had to just uh, clarify uh, and, 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 and obtain a legal opinion concerning the legality, which involved basically the following, that the SIU can then litigate uh, based on the evidence obtained um, whilst the SIU was on secondment. Uh, We've obtained that uh, opinion now, and we're quite confident that the SIU can uh, act- on behalf of the department, as well as its own name, uh, to uh, institute uh, the necessary civil remedial action. We have been advised uh, um, um, uh, by Council that uh, the appropriate uh, action at this point in time- there is a basis to, to set aside the contract. Um, in other words, it is a nullity. That means that the contract is void up in ITEO um, based on the irregularities that uh, was uh, determined or established during the investigation. Uh, the second leg of it, of, of it is the, uh, the ascertainment or determination of the quantum because there has been, to a certain extent, some delivery that, is, uh, that needs to be clarified uh, in the next process. So, uh, to, to, to just answer the question, in, in, uh, as Advocate Mutibi set out, we've obtained the opinion. Um, we have the green light to proceed with the litigation. Um, Council have now, uh, uh, as discussed yesterday and this morning with her, She's requested a, 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 a consultation with the team. That would be scheduled for tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We anticipate that papers should be ready by next week. Uh, later, the latter part of next week, uh, if all the outstanding requirements, which, as I understand it now, the determination of the valuation of performance. But I believe that, that the team is quite confident that that will be met so uh, in terms of timelines, uh, I can confidently say that we will probably issue papers then by next week, late next week, in the special tribunal. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, advocate Matebe. All
0: right,
1: no, that's fine. I think uh, we can proceed then, if the u. s is done. National okay. Treasury. Thank you, Chair. <coughs>
5: Good morning, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, uh, Minister, Deputy Minister, Advocate Mutibwa, and colleagues. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity that you gave us to to to, to come to the committee. I just want uh, Honourable Members to indicate circumstances. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, the presentation from the S, would have been first, and maybe. And, and then, and then the SIU does do some work, and finally there are recommendations. One understand that the agency of called for all of us to get the same. Now you will notice that some of the findings are almost exactly the same in terms of what we are based on what the SIU has already investigated, which is something that be recommending right after doing a desktop review, call it that for now, Chair, a desktop review of documentation that we received from the Department of Public Works infrastructure. So this is not in any way an independent work that we did on our own. We basically assessed the process, the bid adjudication, bid evaluation process and also assess any type of documentation uh, from the department that will have made this uh, you know uh, uh, review possible so as, as as you can imagine um there, there's a i'm with a team here from the chief procurement office estelle with the Acting Accountant, acting chief procurement officer any gendry who essentially nanakan again nanakan who essentially uh, did the review on our behalf to try and get to the details of this. So we've got a very short presentation, Chair, which is almost uh, repeating some of the things that uh, that the SIU had picked up. So if you can allow us, Chair, to just go briefly, quickly through that presentation, because we basically looked at, at it from a different angle, whether the procurement process were followed, whether there was any type of flouting of the procurement processes. And then we come with what I said, business being superfluous in a way because we are recommending that an investigation should be done. And however, the SIU is already almost at the end of the investigation that we are recommending. Let's ask to take us through the presentation quickly and then we can then answer questions later. Thank you.
0: Right, no, that's fine, uh, DG. I think she must take us through the presentation thoroughly. Uh, and not quickly, so that we can get the different perspective which you're speaking about correctly. Uh, Because as indicated, we wanted to make sure that from all the material vantage points, uh, Parliament is fully appraised. So she she may proceed.
6: Uh, Thank you, Honourable Chair, um, Honourable Members and Minister. Um, I will take you through the perspective of the National Treasury based on documentation that we've received and the the bid review that we've done. So going straight into the presentation, um, in the background with regards to this procurement transaction, um, on the 16th of March, as my previous colleague had indicated already, uh, the Minister of Public Works issued a directive in terms of Section 27 two of the Disaster Management Act, and this directive um, was issued to have emergency procurement procedure undertaken with immediate effect um, in relation to the erection and repairs of border fences, um, of which the the bridge border post was um, a priority, or one of the hotspots. Um, that was identified. Um, the minister's um, directive had had the conditions as listed there. Firstly, that a project team um, had to conduct a site visit with the contractor uh, by the latest of 16th of March uh, to undertake due diligence, uh, secure the brief and personnel needs as well as uh, determine the provisional costs and the timeline for the construction. Also, the appointment of the contractor had to commence by latest 20th of March. Um, Further, the condition also stated, or some of the conditions stated, that the CFO of DPWI shall be advised as to the cost uh, in order to secure the provisions for the emergency variation order and that the CFO must put emergency mechanisms in place for the payment of the contractor uh, to be done weekly. Uh, The DDG construction management had to then identify competent site managers, one per site, uh, to be permanently on site during the rollout of this emergency construction. And that one program or one project manager would be identified uh, to be responsible for the oversight of the entire project. Um, the delivery uh, delivery progress report uh, shall also be provided to the minister um, and the minister of defense, minister of public works and defence on a weekly basis. So those were the conditions of the directive. So when we look at um, what is concerning to the National Treasury is uh, those um, underlined um, words or underlined uh, concepts um, that says the, the CPO shall be advised as to the costs. And here can, we can say that costs are determined as an output from the site visit assessment after which a bill of quantity is then drawn up. Uh, for, furthermore, we're talking about the variation order, which means that the assumption is there that there's already a contract in place, which you cannot vary something that is not there. Uh, payment on a weekly basis to be made, um, and what worries us is the fact that it's a weekly, a weekly payment, and the payment should be based on uh, services rendered against a bill of quantity. So, just to um, brief the the members of the provisions of uh, emergency procurement, it's it's coming from Treasury Regulation sixteen A six point four, uh, which states that in a specific case. Uh, if it is, in a specific case, impractical to invite a competitive bid, the accounting officer may procure the required goods or services by other means, provided that the reasons for deviating from the competitive bidding process be recorded and approved by the accounting officer. Further to that, it is unpacked in practice note number 8, 2007 and 2008, which further states that should it uh, basically uh, repeating 16a 6.4, but it further uh, says that um, if it is impractical to invite the competitive bids uh, for a specific procurement, uh, the accounting officer may procure the required goods uh, by other means, such as price quotations and the reasons provided. Practice note 8 further also states that if such a transaction is above a million rand, that that transaction is to be uh, reported to the relevant treasury and to the Auditor General. In um, a subsequent instruction note uh, 3 of 2016-17 that talks about the uh, the, uh, abuse of supply chain uh, provisions, Paragraph 8.4, it has a clear definition of what emergency procurement means, and there I'm just going to read that it states that an emergency procurement may occur when there is a serious and unexpected situation that poses an immediate risk to health, life, property, or the environment, which calls for an agency to action and if there is insufficient time to invite a competitive bid. So further we also from our review saw that the National um, Bid Adjudication Committee approved um, MAGWA construction on the 18th of March uh, in the amount of 37 million to provide the contractor services and that um, on the very next day, the 19th of March, the adjudication committee appointed prof team uh, for professional services, um, to, to, to provide the professional services. So, our findings <coughs> under members is that makwati, oh, Makwa construction was was appointed for what seemed to be a continuous service and the fact that they were appointed for an unspecified period makes the emergency procurement transaction disputable and can therefore not be deemed as emergency procurement. The scope of the work was determined at the site inspection and therefore the appointment and the scope of work of the professional team is not clear as the specifications were already available and we do we, we therefore assume that their services would not have been required it also seems to us very plausible that MAGWA construction drafted the bill of quantities on behalf of the dpi dpwi and then responded to their own bill of quantity um, in the event that, um, uh, sorry, it is it is evident that Makwa Construction submitted their bid proposal prior to the completion of the report of the professional team, which brings the costing of $37 million into question, which we've seen now in the previous presentation. In normal circumstances, a professional service provider would be appointed, and those are the engineers, the quantity surveyors, and so on, to conduct the assessment and then draft the bill of quantity on which the RFP or the RFQ would then be based for the contractors then to uh, make their proposals on. So in this case, we saw that uh, Makwa Construction submitted their bid proposal prior to the appointment of the professional team. Um, The National Treasury could not determine the the reasonable of the costing, but I think my the our colleagues from the SIU did a good job there. Um, there is evidence that uh, that indicates that the bid adjudication's decision to to appoint both uh, uh, bidders were based. No evidence. On... Oh, sorry.
5: There, there is no evidence.
6: There's no evidence that um, the BAC's decision was based on justifiable or reasonable grounds, taking into consideration that the scope of work was determined at the site inspection. Uh, We could also not, uh, based on the the absence of clear commencement and expiry dates on the contract, uh, we could not ascertain what it was meant by short and medium term. From the SPD 4 declaration form, we could also not determine whether the shareholders or the directors are state employees, I think because they were talking about trustees. Um, We also could not get confirmation from the CFO with regards to this. Um, uh, It is also not clear which contract the minister was referring to when she gave instruction for the variation of the contract. Um, the correspondence from the minister referred to the variation order but not, did not provide a description of the order or the details of the contractor, but it would seem that the minister had um, a contractor or a supplier in mind already. The National Treasury is aware of previous um. Contracts at at the specific border post. Um, it is therefore not clear where, whether there was an existing service provider, and why the the DPWI did not utilise the service provider or uh, providing the, the service or the current service. We we are not sure whether there is a current um, contract in place. Um, so if we if we look at the, the service it's to continuously maintain the the border post and it seems to me that this um, the fact that it's a continuous service that the urgency and the emergency of this service is uh, also now questioned because it's supposed to be a continuous uh, service and not a once-off. in one of the documents submitted by the department, it indicated that both Magwa Construction and Prof Team were were approached uh, with the intention to issue the variation order after receiving the request from the minister. Um, If the consultant and the contractor were approached after after the ministerial directive, it also poses then the question, Um, as to the purpose of inviting the other two consultants um, and contractors, the VCE for professional services and Hillside um, and uh, Asatico to the site inspection. Uh, The invoices paid to Mugwa Construction also does not make provision for the items on the Bill of Quantities that were completed and the grounds on which the completion certificates was signed off is also not known. Uh, the DPW indicated that the final payment could not be made due to the investigation process. The department failed to indicate when this instruction was received uh, because that has a bearing on the payment of the $21 million, uh, whether it was prior or post the instruction and it was also not clear what the scope of work was for the outstanding amount and whether it relates to the fencing. Um, in terms of the separation of powers, um, the executive authority must not interfere with administration uh, administrative uh, functions. Um, although we indicated there was no clear indication of, of a start or end date in the contract itself, the minutes of Uh, 19 March, stated that the contract commencement date is the 18th of March, which means that the contract took effect at the site inspection prior to the appointment being approved by the Bid Adjudication Committee. So this transaction may be deemed as as irregular. So as uh, DG indicated, that our recommendations are... um, now going to be over over, um, or under, <laughs> how do we say this uh, DG, that it's superfluous after the recommendations made by the SIU. And um, I will pause there. Thank you. Thank you, Chair.
0: All right. Um, thank you very much. Uh, DG, are you good? Thank you very much. Uh, Yes, we are good. There is also a detailed, over and above the
5: presentation, we also provide a detailed um, 13-page basic review that we did, that honourable members can also look at in terms of some of the details that are still summarized in the presentation. So the presentation and the report should be read together for completion from where we were able to review this process and make our uh, recommendations on. Thank you very much,
0: Chair. that's fine. Um, Note that. All right, Um, colleagues, um, I'm advised uh, that uh, the work of the AG has not been complete, and therefore we shall await for them to um, indicate uh, to us when uh, that work is done. So I think we have received a comprehensive presentation from the SIU and it was important for National Treasury as well. I think they have given us a a valuable vantage point uh, to the work. So I'm going to, um, colleagues, uh, I've got Honourable Dex, Honourable Mente and Honourable Lise. Uh, To the colleagues joining us because we we usually indicate speaking here on our WhatsApp group, which you may not be party to. I will request that after those three colleagues, colleagues, you will just indicate, I see the Honourable Olomisa will be number four. Honourable. <laughs> Honourable. <laughs> All right, Honourable Hattedo, and then Honourable, Honourable Mahau and Honourable Graham. All right, we'll take that first round. We'll proceed in that fashion. Honourable Dex, you're first off the bat.
7: Uh, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, uh, other, other honorable members present. Good morning, Advocate uh, National Treasury, and other officers present. Morning, Minister. Uh, firstly, let me, Chair, let me just um, uh, thank uh, and, uh, and congratulate uh, Advocate Modibi on the good work and outstanding work that he's doing in fighting the scourge of corruption in this country. Uh, and we appreciate your report. We really appreciate the report and the work you have done so far in, uh, on this in PPE or, of defence for uh, defence. But I want to raise an issue here, Chair, that I am concerned about the directive from the minister to that department. And allow me, Chair, to read that, that uh, directive. The directive in the directive starts off by including. Conditions, firstly, start off by inclu- including a director that includes conditions. And let me just read this directive. The project team shall be led, shall be led by the DTG construction management together with a senior person from defense who is to urgently arrange and be responsible for the logistics, shall have a site visit with the contractor by the latest Wednesday, 18 March 2020 to undertake the due diligence, secure the, the brief and personnel needs. Determine provisional costs, identify the emergency construction timeline. That is uh, the first part of the directive. Then two, due the contractor shall be appointed by the, by the 20th of March. Then three again, the CFO DPWI shall be advised as to the cost in order to secure the provision for this emergency variation order. Further, the CFO shall put emergency mechanisms in place for payment of the contractor for work undertaken on a weekly basis. Four, the DTG construction management shall identify competent site managers, one per hotspot, that will be permanently on site during the rollout of the emergency construction. Further, there will be no one project manager identified who will be responsible for the oversight of the entire project and accountable for the delivery in terms of the emergency expenditure timeline. Five, which is the last uh, uh, director from the Minister. A delivery progress report shall be provided to myself together with the Minister of Defence on a weekly basis. Now, my concern with this directive, that is, it is extremely prescriptive prescriptive this uh, directive. And bear in mind that when this directive was given, there was a, a, a DG in that department. But the directive is going to is identifying certain officials and say the DGG, DTG infrastructure construction shall do this. This one shall do that. It's more than conditions that was attached to this directive. It was actually uh, prescriptive to say who shall do what on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the project. And that is my concern with this the, the directive. And the National Treasury have raised the issue, and I've raised it before, the issue of uh, the ad, administrative processes, that politicians cannot interfere in administrative processes. Now, this directive is actually giving directive in political in in administrative processes. A directive goes to the the head of the department, which is the DG, to say this is the directive. The DG then must implement the the, the directive and follow all the relevant administrative processes. It is not for a politician or for a minister to give that kind of directive to say this. Officials shall be doing their thing, and that's my concern with this. With the the, was very prescriptive prescriptive, directive, and today we get the report from the from uh, Advocate Motibi that we must hold officials account. Politicians, ministers. Must be held accountable for wrongdoing that is taking place in their, in their, their department. Must hold all ministers accountable for any wrongdoing in their, their, their department, especially when a directive like this was going out to their department. And then lastly, Chief. Now, first before lastly, I want to know from Edward Motibi, have they looked at this directive? Have they interrogated this directive? Have they questioned this directive? Have they investigated this directive? And Dividend. And then lastly. The minister then gives the last directive, saying that there will be a weekly report back to her. Now, when all these wrong things were happening, when upfront payments was given when all that, was the minister not informed on a weekly basis because she said, I'll have weekly reports. Where was the minister? Where was the minister when all these wrong things that are now identified and taking place? Because so she was on top of the game here, she was on the call here. She said, I want a weekly report. I am saying, uh, Chair, that the park cannot stop by simply by certain officials in the department. The park must stop by the minister, especially if the minister has stepped into the ministry, into that administration. We must hold ministers accountable in this sixth par- parliament, and Minister Teller must be held accountable for what happened in the, in the, in the department. And so will be true in all other departments where ministers have overstepped the, 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 the line. We have to draw a line in the sand. Corruption, we must root it out, we must stand against it, we must draw that line in the in the. In the, in the and here today, we must draw that line and stand. we must hold the minister account, accountable for what took place in that department, because she was directly involved with the director. Thank you, Chair.
0: All right, and thank you very much, Honorable Dex uh, The minister is present and she will provide responses, and also to the SIU. Um, the question is very pointed um, in so far as the issue of the directive is concerned, right, Honourable Member.
8: Thank you, Chair. Chairperson, um, um, the first thing I want to talk to is the the Treasury report. In the Treasury report, I am not convinced that they did everything that they were supposed to do. It's not conclusive report. In a sense that, one, when they talk to the variation and the instruction of the minister, the lady says they are not sure if there was a contract in place. They are not sure of the variation order instructions. And for me, it gets to say they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Couldn't they have asked the minister was there a variation order instruction? What was the contract available? What was the standard of the contract? And then they come and tell us what must happen in terms of the treasury regulations. Two, the bid proposal she is reporting like it seems the bid proposal was done by the company itself and the prescripts thereof in terms of quantities were prescribed by the company not came from dpwi that is very problematic but at the very same time it's not conclusive it's something uh, if she must correct me if I'm wrong or I heard her wrongly, mm-hmm. is that conclusive that the company proposed its own quantities? Mm-hmm. The company proposed its own, it, it wrote, uh, it, 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 it gave out orders in terms of what should be the prescript And that was accepted by DPW without the DPW outlining its own prescription of the proposal in terms of quantities. So National Treasury, please give us a conclusive report. What is wrong that was done between the company and DPW in terms of breaching the Treasury regulations and the PFMA. That's what we want to know. Secondly, Chair, I want to check um, SIU has spelled out a, a lot of irregularities. Now, in the previous meeting, I think it was in March, If I'm no June, if uh, my notes set me right when DPWI was um, with us, we asked specifically, who was responsible to sign off the due diligence? Because in that particular document, you ought to then know all the specifics. Is the company fit? What are the quantities we're looking for? What's the quality we're looking for? What is the time frame we want for delivery, and what kind of work we're looking for? Who signed off that particular document that the company was fit and proper? Because without that person, we we cannot hold any other person accountable. Because a person convinced the whole department or a team convinced the whole department that that MAGWA company was fit and proper, pricing was correct, quantity correct, quality correct, time frame for delivery correct. Who signed it? Who convinced them? Because that's the person who must then account. Now, uh, another point, the 21.8 million advance. Who signed it off? Who was convinced by who to pay an advance on something that is not there? Or on something that is not the department was looking for? Just pay money on something you don't know. Then they, they, they are they, they are prices that were inflated. And then the problematic area for me is that even the that they are relying on in terms of pricing, which they say they made comparison and used the information of 2016. 2016 in itself, SIU says it was inflated. the 2016 one. Now, when it comes to the 14 officials that the SIU has identified, one. Minister, out of these 14 officials, did you go back to check the wrongs of 2016 as well? Because SIU would have already told you that even the basing of of your lodging on 2016 prices which were also inflated were supposed to have been investigated by now. And you were supposed to have used whatever method available to ensure that your pricing now is correct. Now, out of these 14 officials, the person who was there for 2016 and responsible for those, is is he, he or she part or are they part of the 14 officials and out of the 14 officials recommended um, uh, for disciplinary action and criminal procedures thereof by SIU. How many are undergoing such? And if there is anyone who's not part of that, why? Lastly, Chair, In terms of criminal cases, we want to know how many criminal cases you've laid against all of them. Where is the company today? Have you started a process of getting the money, all of it, from the company? I see the SIU is recommending a a tribunal where they are going to work towards stopping the entire contract. Did you already start a process of stopping that contract when we told you two months ago that freeze payments, i.e. Colente and Bridge, we can't have a fence. That is 1.8 meter for a fence that was supposed to be 2.2. That's already broken, holes everywhere, has nothing, doesn't resemble anything that looks like a border fence.
1: Thank you very much, Chair. All
0: right, uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mente. I hope um, the colleagues are taking um, comprehensive notes. Um, Honorable Graham has swapped with Honorable Liz. So we'll take Honorable Graham now.
9: Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I'd like to really welcome the National Treasury report. Um, My concern with the SIU report has been that the focus has been on the officials in the department. um, And they've kind of glossed over the whole issue around the directive. The directive is very, very clear and the instructions given by the minister in the directive are very, very clear. The the National Treasury background slide um, actually errs in one point where it says that the minister um, requested that they appoint a contractor. The minister and her directive stipulated to the contractor. Um, I have asked on several occasions about the minister's involvement in the in the procurement around the fence, particularly with respect to the fact that her um, advisory staff were part of all the discussions around the appointment of the contractor, the um, the site um, inspections, etc. So, I'd like to welcome the fact that the National Treasury have identified the directive as the starting point of this entire process, as opposed to the SIU investigation being the starting point. One of the questions I have is that the SIU were appointed, um, and in various meetings we've been advised that the minister requested their intervention. I have a a copy of a letter from the auditor general, uh, from the director general in which he complains to advocate Matibi on the the 20th of June this year about the involvement of the SIU and their intervention in the DPWI. So I'd like to know who it was who actually requested the SIU to investigate in the first place, because according to this letter, the um, accounting officer and the minister were not aware that there were officials seconded from the organization to undertake work in the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. And they were also not aware that there were officials from the organisation assigned the responsibility to investigate the Bightbridge Border Fence Maintenance Project. And I'm quoting directly from the letter. In light of this anomaly, we therefore distance ourselves from any report which may have been submitted to the official of the department as mentioned above. Um, So I'd like to know what has been done to address this whole issue. and also, um, I'd like to say that at the, at the end of her, her presentation, the member of the National, uh, National Treasury said that she felt that their report was superfluous. Um, I disagree um, in that this report of the National Treasury now highlights the fact that there was ministerial intervention and there was ministerial interference in the procurement processes that, that happened around this project. Thank you, Chair.
0: All right. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, The Honourable Olomisa.
10: Thank you, Chairperson. Can you hear me?
0: You are audible, sir.
10: Uh, I won't take uh, long at all. Uh, President uh, Ramaphosa on the 23rd of August this week said that uh, his party, ANC, May not stand alone in the dock, but he does stand as accused number one. Perhaps he was uh, con- uh, concurring with his uh, former cabinet minister or colleague Nomvula Konya, who told Zondo Commission that Bosasa was supporting and working with us in the ANC. Now. Given these uh, admissions, should Scopa not consider endorsing an action where the SIU should not only investigate the corrupt individuals and tender pioneers, but that it also follows the breadcrumb and uh, the breadcrumb trail. ...to establish whether any illicit... ...for other ministers, because these so-called uh, political directives... ...are not only surfacing today. We have seen them, and they have messed up the whole administration.
0: Thank you. Right, and that is noted.
1: Honorable Hadebe uh, with an H. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, um, Honorable uh, Chairperson.
11: Chair, um, I, I want to state it categorically clear. Uh, uh, when the department appeared before us, uh, uh, it Based on the presentation given to us, it did not need a rocket scientist to ascertain chair, and confirm that this tender or procurement was uh, a predetermined. This chair is based on, on, on the sequence of event as it was highlighted in the presentation that was made by the department uh, when, when, when they appeared before us. In that meeting, Chair, I stated
1: a uh, very clearly um, it
11: official that involved in wanted to ask this to one twice contractor and consulted by all means possible chair it was even evident when they asked the very same uh, contractor to draft the bill of quantities and the scope of work for them and as such this scope of work was even drafted before the National Treasury issued the instruction on emergency procurement. Hence, they wanted to appoint this very same contractor on a variation order. When they saw that uh, their ways are not going to suffice, they immediately aborted the variation order uh, mission. When National Treasury the following day uh, introduced the instruction uh, in the form of the emergency procurement, and they then went ahead to appoint the very same contract i then ask in that meeting given the constitution and the requirement of procedural fairness the issue of competitiveness the issue of ensuring equity even if you are dealing with emergency procurement do they think that this tender followed all procedural fairness and what they did was rational? The answer was yes. They did not hesitate to say to us, yes, they think they've done everything according to to the issues of procedural fairness. I also ask minister and the officials, did we receive value for money given the quality of the fence, given the amount of money spent The fence was meant to be 2.2. We are told now it ended up being 1.8. Yet the report indicated that there was site inspection, both by the project managers and the officials from the department on daily basis. The question is, what were they inspecting on daily basis and compiling a report on a weekly basis to the minister? If they could not ascertain that the height has been reduced from 2.2 to 1.8, chair, I would like to get an understanding whether all these officials that are involved are they still within the department? Are they still responsible for for the procurement processes and bid evaluation committee? If yes, chair, they need to be suspended with immediate effect. They cannot continue when they came before us even though we could at the time conduct our oversight but we already mentioned and highlighted that here we smell a red that fence chair does not even qualify to prevent chickens from crossing over from zimbabwe to south africa yet we were told that we've received very for money the fence uh, uh, it's what it was meant for now This thing of officials coming before us, and when we raise questions and we give evidence to them, they are adamant and think that we do not know what we're talking about, it must come to an end. I would want to move, chair that if they have not been suspended, it will be uh, uh, not fair from the side of the department, including the public, to allow them to continue uh, 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 with work as usual, They ought to be suspended with immediate effect until all disciplinary processes are concluded. The last issue, Chair, it's in relation to the scope of work of the ISI, uh, uh, SIU, which also include determining whether any feasibility study was conducted for the services of erecting the 40-kilometer fence. I did not get a, a sense or an outcome whether or not Uh, they've arrived to a conclusion that indeed the feasibility study was conducted but this is very strange that a department would ask SIU to ascertain or investigate whether or not a feasibility study was conducted. This is the matter and an issue that's supposed to be known to the department whether or not a feasibility study was conducted. You can't be, when you're a responsible department, uh, uh, not know uh, the contract that we have awarded and the tender that we have given to private contractors, you have conducted feasibility study. I find it it's very strange and, and, and awkward. I'd like to get an, and sense and an understanding. Why would they even ask an outside agency to tell them whether or not they've done what they were supposed to do? Thank you, Honorable Chair. All right,
0: um, and on that note of the chickens, I will go to the Honorable Mahao.
8: Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to all. Let me first thank the report from the SIU. I'll start first with the SIU recommendations. Truly speaking, as much as they are really clear, but they are quiet about the intervention of the minister, knowing exactly that separation of powers are supposed to be implemented there. So why is there no mentioning of what would happen to the minister knowing exactly that the minister has intervened administratively of which that must not be the case. Coming to National Treasury report, I appreciate that report, but as Honorable Mente alluded to, that report is incomplete because there are no clear recommendations about the, the interference of the minister. So National Treasury must go back and again find out the contractors of 2016. What happened to those contractors? Coming to the minister, I, I've got some few questions that, is the minister not aware of separation of powers? Why the minister is, inter, is interfering? At minister? Because it is an admin work. So what interest has at the minister for, for her to, to intervene there? And again, is the minister not aware of the legislative provisions provisions of emergency procurement? Why, why, why this, why this has happened in the air department? Thank you very much, Chairperson.
12: All right, um, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Liz. Mr. Chairman, thank you, and good morning to everyone. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I just start through you to Advocate Mativi. Advocate Matibi you must be tired of coming to our committee but uh, we we really do appreciate um, the um, the enthusiasm which you, you do do that the chances of recovery of this money what what in your opinion at this stage are the chances of recovering anything if uh, if at all um, and have the asset forfeiture units uh, started um, taking uh, over assets? Um, then you talk about 14 senior officials who are recommended to 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 be uh, charged. Um, who are they? And and specifically, um, is Melissa Whitehead one of those officials, Mr. Chairman? To uh, Minister De Minister, it's quite clear that this contract has been completely delinquent right from the beginning, and it seems that there's sufficient evidence that your participation in the workings of this contract were fairly uh, deep-seated. This contract has the country a huge amount of money, but even more so, the objective of protecting our border from the COVID virus certainly was not met. Um, 115 breaches are reported by the SIU um, in a very short space of time. So it is quite clear that um, there's been a delinquent actions or lack of actions on the part, not only of the officials, but also on your part, Minister. Minister, will you resign and take the consequences for your part in this delinquency? Thank you. All right, uh, Honorable Swartz. This is Bernice.
1: Thank you, Chair. Um, Good morning to all
13: members. Um, um, Chair, I've just got a problem of a bit of load shedding. Uh, I I think if I put on my camera, I'll be at disadvantage. No, that's fine. You
0: can proceed because you're quite audible, so that's fine.
13: Yes. Um, Chair, mine is on that I'm very surprised that today we are sitting here again and we are getting presentations when... The department came before us. They swore by the Bible that everything is in order, and
0: everything is fine. And uh, today we are sitting here. Uh, Honourable Swartz, just one minute, just one second. There is a colleague whom is got their mic on and they're calling Linda. Maybe may please uh, turn off their mics uh, so that they can discuss with Linda
1: in private, right? Honourable Swartz, you may proceed. Hon. Swartz, you may proceed. Thank you, Chair. Chair, I am saying that it is very disappointing that everything today
13: points to the involvement of the staff in the minister's office. Because, Chair, um, maybe they would like to also give us answers on the following, that um, why the chief of staff in the minister's office, Roger Solomon, led the delegation for inspection at Bait Bridge because that already was interference in the project. Two, Chair, um, the secretaries, both of them in the office of the minister were part of a meeting which in their first presentation to us they did not mention that meeting, Chair, was a meeting where they decided how they're going to procure in the most convenient and quickest way. So I will agree with Honourable Liz when he's asking if Melissa Whitehead is still in the minister's office to date, because they need to give us a report check where the department must be very honest and include all the people in the minister's staff who were involved from the inception up until the end, because even when they went to meet South African Defence Force on the 17th of March, which is the same day which they did a site inspection with the contractors, where the principal agents and the contractors were waiting for them. Even there, then, eh, eh, the senior secretary was the one leading the delegation to go and do the site inspection with South African Defence Force And where he cut the meeting short in that the contractors and the principal agents were waiting for them. So the department must not play hide-and-seek with us, Chair, And the minister's staff must be put on the table as to why there was so much involved from step one to the last step in terms of procuring quickly, in terms of leading delegations for inspection, whether it was on a basis of that They are doing it on behalf of the minister, but why would the minister be so much involved in a procurement process to put up a fence, which at the end of the day, we have all repeated so many times. I think Honorable Peggy Hart forgot to remind them that in their presentation, they gave us photos of 2017 when they presented to us in the last presentation on the bridge. They never, ever gave us photos of 2020 I don't know, honorable uh, members or chairperson, whether you did get any updated photos, because those were one of our questions where we requested that. I myself asked the question that was the project manager project managing the bait bridge on Zoom, and how were they taking photos? How did we end up with photos of 2017 when they procured now during COVID and the emergence? Uh, 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 using the quickest and and, and, and easiest way. Uh, Chair, I've got many questions under this, but I think at this stage where we are, what what Treasury is giving us today and the SIU is giving us, I think that the department must also start giving you a report, Chair, that will clearly outline the involvement, unless they want us, Chair, to again call them and step by step tell them how
1: they actually implemented this project. Thank you, Chair. you were muted chair oh uh, thanks mazambanda honorable Mkonto. thanks chair um for this opportunity
8: good morning to uh, colleagues and our guests chair um i will start with the presentation of the department um In their introduction, they said they will speak on investigation outcomes and actions. But unfortunately, I did not hear the actions. Um, It is not clear as to exactly what um, has already been done, specifically to the Individuals, um, the alleged uh, maladministration and finance mismanagement is directed to. And I did not hear, Chair, the role played by the DG as the accounting officer. Um, I listened very carefully, but I couldn't hear as to um, what was the a role of the DG is he part of the 14 uh, officials um, or what? And then I'm I'm very puzzled by the fact that there is a lot of outsourcing uh, done. Um, the bill of quantity, the scope of work, the project management, Is the department without officials um, that are assigned to do uh, this uh, type of work? Um, Does the department have a project management unity or not? Because um, seemingly everything was outsourced And a lot of money has been spent instead of using the human resource uh, available uh, to the department. Um, The National Treasury talked about uh, blacklisting the companies involved, Chair in many cases, companies are being blacklisted by the but the people owning those companies they go back to the CIPC and register other companies and continue doing work with um, government. So from this matter onwards, can the SIU please check if they say a, a company is that a company? does not do work is people, is individuals who do uh, uh, work. Can <coughs> their focus be on the individuals being blacklisted instead of just names of companies and people are given an opportunity to come back and uh, do work with government? Thanks very much, Chair. Thank you very much. So,
0: this very detailed questions on the part. Of I will request that the responses are pointed to the question, so that we avoid meanders and be very frank. What I'll do is, we'll start with the minister, then we're going to go to the SIU, and then National Treasury. So we'll proceed in that fashion. Minister Diloe, over to you.
13: Uh, Thank you, Honourable Chairperson, Honourable Members, um, the SIU also, and and National Treasury. Um, Yes, I also want to to thank the report that we received from National Treasury and also from the SIU. Colleagues, Honourable Members, I do want to be held accountable. I will never run away from accountability. I do have a a respect for the public of South Africa, and and I will work even harder. But I do have to remind um, members about the history of this department. And you're all aware you've been members of parliament, you've seen the annual reports, You've seen um, all of the allegations that are on the funeral stamps and all of them. Honorable Chairperson, since I arrived about a year ago, I've introduced various systems, consequence management, conflict management, uh, introducing due diligence. But of course, like the members say, the buck stops with me. And I must be out accountable. yes. I must be held accountable in terms of certain provisions of the Act. In terms of the Public Finance Management Act, um, Honourable Members have to look at Section 38 of the Public Finance Management Act, read together with Section 64 and Chapter 7, dealing with the executive authorities. It must be read together. But it must also be read together with Section 85 of the Constitution, and Section 85 of the Constitution deals with executive authorities of the public. And under C of um, point number two, eighty-five to C, it says the executive authority, together with the it starts with The executive authority is vested in the president, and the president exercises executive together with the members of the cabinet. And then it says, C, coordinating the functions of the administration, uh, coordinating the functions of the state departments and administration. Now men- members speak about interfering in the process of um, procurement. On the 15th of March, uh, the president declared a national state of disaster. In that national state of disaster, number of borders of the country were closed, and uh, what was brought to our attention was the um, About 40 kilometers of the over 700 kilometers of the border uh, between ourselves and and, and Zimbabwe. On the 15th, there was a meeting. It was attended by the Director General, attended by the DDG of Construction Project Management, and they worked out the timeline and the content of what can be done to respond to the emergency. Uh, the Director General then provided the timelines and the content, which I have included into the Director. So, as we went on, Chairperson, we um, I did receive not weekly reports but daily reports of of what is happening at at the border. And I want to again today say to all the colleagues that when it comes to um, the implementation and when it comes to procurement, if there's any evidence that I have personally benefited from this particular tender, then please, you must bring the evidence. I am prepared in terms of the constitution of this country and Section 38 and Section 34, that my role is also to hold, uh, as an oversight, to hold the accounting officer accountable. So yes, the uh, uh, the acting DG will speak to some of the technical part around disciplinary matters, In terms of disciplinary matters, as far as it goes to the 14 officials, my role as the minister is to report um, any wrongdoing or alleged wrongdoing of the director general. That is my responsibility. And that is what I must do and will be doing. In terms of the officials within the department, the accounting officer, will take charge of the disciplinary processes there. With Baybridge, when I became concerned about some of the reports, not only from the public, but also some of the reports that we have received, I immediately, on the 20th of April, contacted the Office of the Auditor General and asked the Auditor General to do a... um, um, independent order. On the 25th of April, I also instructed the anti-corruption unit to do an investigation, and the anti-corruption unit was assisted by the SIU. And I want to thank Advocate Motibi for providing the secondment of two, uh, two officials. We also brought in the Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Task Team to help with the technical parts of the investigation. I then took it a step further by asking and requesting that the the, the Department DPWI stop any further payments to this company, and that also happened. And today, we are happy to report, because I believe in transparency, I believe in openness, that we need to report to the Honourable Members of Parliament to hold us to account. And certainly, like I said, I do want to be held to account. We owe it to to the public. And it's because I want to be held to account that I have initiated this process of investigation. And like I was saying previously to the the other portfolio committee, and the FDG will speak to the implementation of the recommendations, that um, now that the president on the 23rd of July has issued the proclamation that the SIU will now continue to, like they have reported to us this morning, to handle the baby's issue in terms of that proclamation. And we we will await the outcome of that work advocate material. Uh, I think I've I've, I've tried to just summarise everything, uh, uh, Chairperson, and I will ask uh, the Acting Director General with your permission later on to deal with the technical aspects of the investigation. I thank you, Honourable Members.
0: All right, no, that is fine. We will get to the acting DJ and colleagues. Um, I suggest let's take all the responses uh, so that we get a full picture of what is said. And then I note that there are follow-ups that you want to do. So we'll come back to that and tie it down with the department. So let's um, get the um, SIU uh, Advocating TV.
2: No, thank you very much, uh, Chair, Uh, we appreciate the opportunity again. Uh, Let me also just start with the last point that the minister made. Uh, We indeed have the proclamation, uh, and ordinarily um, in the normal run of our investigations, uh, we do take into account the evidence that, uh, that we gather at the time of the investigations. But it does happen that uh, uh, new evidence uh, come up uh, either at the tail end of the investigation, and we are implored, we are duty bound to take into account that evidence. It does appear uh, from the from the evidence from the presentation uh, that, that that we've received, uh, there might probably be a, a particular need for SIU to interact with the. National Treasury to just look into this uh, possible evidence that indicates uh, any irregularities, um, uh, and 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 we will now take it forward in terms of the in terms of the proclamation and uh, look also at the provision of section 64 because the section 54, uh, uh, if I recall it in so many words, is that it does. Provide for uh, executive authority directives that have financial implications, but however, it goes on to say if the uh, the, the directive has a potential to cause irregular uh, or irregularities, then the director general or the accounting officer has got some responsibilities. But we will we will we will look at at, at that and then. Uh, uh pronounce ourselves uh now uh, under the and uh, under the under the proclamation um with regard i want to deal also with the uh, the questions raised by uh, honorable uh graham mare with regard to the letter that was sent by the by the director general i am aware of that letter it was sent to me uh and uh, I was I was really caught unaware, to say the least. Uh, I was surprised that uh, that that kind of letter would be uh, written to the SIU. Works and infrastructure. There so many proclamations. And we have had dealings with the DG and with the with the with the acting DG now, and the acting DG has always been uh, the nodal point or the contact person authorized duly by the department to deal with SIU. So over the years, SIU has been uh, dealing with the department uh, based on the due authority that uh, has been given to the DDG. When I was approached and called by the DDG, uh, it was also in that context that he is duly authorized to approach the SIU and request uh, SIU on behalf of the department to conclude the the secondment agreement. I responded to the DG. Uh, I can find uh, my response letter to the DG and send it to the committee where I also expressed the similar uh, views that uh, that the acting DG now has been the authorized nodal point of the department. And he acceded to that. And I said to him, at no point did the DG ever indicate to the SIU that uh, they've got now a changed arrangement, there's now a different person, or or the authority that was given to to the acting DG uh, the now-acting DG has been withdrawn, and now we must deal directly with the, with the DG at no point. And the DG, in his subsequent letter to me, acceded to that. And he said, okay, we will now, uh, from now onward, you know, deal with me directly. Uh, and I understood that, uh, that there is no problem at all. The context of that would then be uh, that he would have withdrawn the authority that he was that was given to the acting DG, and we would deal directly with him. So that's the context of uh, of, of of those of those uh, interactions uh, and the letter that the honourable member referred to. Um, the uh, honourable, decks, uh, The issue around uh, uh, the SIU investigation. I think I covered it when I started. Uh, we will definitely uh, look at uh, uh, the, those administrative arrangements, in particular, the directives. Uh, but during the investigation, um, uh, our my colleagues uh, who are in the meeting with me, they did conduct uh, interviews, uh, including interviews with the special advisor to the minister. Um, and, and, and amongst others, uh, uh, some findings were made. Um, but I, 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 I indicated uh, to them that uh, uh, should there be any evidence that come up uh, we will definitely be implored to have to look at that, and now that we've got the proclamation we will have to do that. Um, uh, the other questions that relate directly to to the SIU, or oh, out out of the the, the uh, honourable uh, mentor, um, Yes, indeed, we have spelled out the irregularities. Uh, yes, I, I, I would really imagine that the the, the department uh, would be in a, a better position to now indicate uh, who signed off on the company to be fit and proper. But our investigation would also have revealed that uh, uh, out of the 14 officials, uh, the the findings have been would, would would have been those who authorized several processes. Uh, irregularly and we have made uh, uh, specific findings at this stage i would really uh, want to uh, indicate and at our last appearance honorable chair and honorable members uh, SIU was asked to release the report uh, to the committee uh, i'm glad that the department is in this meeting i interacted with the with the with the acting DG um, uh, my my plea would then be that because this is the department's report, uh, it was done under secondment. It becomes the department's report, unlike when it's done under proclamation, which becomes the president's report. In this regard, uh, I, I think that the, the department uh, uh, should really be uh, asked to to consider releasing releasing that that report. Um, uh, Honourable uh, Holomisa mentioned the issue around the directives, and I did say that uh, we will we will look at uh, we will look at those. Um, Honourable Mahau, uh, the 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 report being quiet about the intervention of the minister. Uh, I think, uh, as as, uh, as as we as we have indicated, is that uh, uh, the evidence that uh, that we gathered uh, thus far um, uh, pointed to. To certain certain officials, but it appears now that there's, uh, there might be uh, uh, the, the new evidence that we have to look at, and we will look at that uh, in, uh, in accordance with the with the proclamation. Uh, Honourable Liz, and uh, I would like to also uh, invite uh, our our chief legal, if need be, but I would like to say uh, in, in in our uh, civil litigation process. Uh, when we when we recover, when we set out to recover, um, we do of course and make sure that there there are opportunities to recover because we do not want to come back with a hollow judgment. Uh, so therefore, uh, if if uh, for example, if we'd like to to recover money uh, and there's no there's no liquid cash, uh, we look at the assets that that uh, that that can be that can be attached and the question raised. Yeah, we're working with the AFU. Yes, we've got a, a, a continued interaction with the AFU, but our rules and regulations are, are regulating the special tribunal. The SIU now has got the, also those powers to institute restrained orders. And the orders of restraint would include uh, freezing assets, forfeiture, and so on. So, and we've been doing that lately. Uh, the the legal team is looking at that as a matter of urgency. Uh the, the the question of the officials, the officials, uh, I just don't have the names now, but I do I do know that uh, in the report they are spelled out quite quite in detail. And the question was specific whether uh, there was a name that honourable Liz mentioned. I think it's the uh, we we did find. Uh, uh, some, some make some findings against the special advisor to the minister. We did make uh, honorable Mconto. We made findings uh, that, that related to the DG. Uh, we made findings relating to uh, director special projects, acting chief financial officer, acting head supply chain management, uh, members of the National Bid Adjudication Committee. So uh, we did make uh, findings relating to those. Chair, um, uh, uh, I would like to pause here uh, uh, and, and perhaps allow uh, our our colleagues and the, and the National Treasury to make input.
0: Thank you. Thank you very Thank much, you much. Uh, uh, very National Treasury. Thank you very Thank much, uh, Chair. So
5: we had two questions uh, directly to us, uh, but I'll comment on those and Estelle can come in again. Honorable Graham was saying that we we, 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 what we are saying, we are, we are not saying we the, the, the report is superfluous, so the whole report is unnecessary. No, the only thing that's unnecessary is that we are recommending that an investigation should happen. In that way, we're saying the investigation has started. So that's the only part where we're saying maybe unnecessary. So just since the recommendation of the investigation was started. But the report remains relevant, and I think it must be treated as such. Now, in terms of unremantous points, um, to an extent, the Treasury, or in this work, we did not do everything correct because we do such reviews, Chair, uh, uh, all the time. And whether asked or when we see as a matter of public interest, we do them all the time. The intention here is not, and we don't have the, 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 the power, not the, the, the capacity, not the mandate also to, to get deeper, like the SIU do in terms of taking the matter through to its logical conclusion if there's evidence of any criminality or so. We don't have that. But what we did, as, as any of our reports, and I emphasized a desktop uh, uh, investigation or report that we review that we did, which was essentially to list all of those points that we listed as issues that an investigation which we recommend should take into account in terms of all of the issues, whether a variation order was received or whether the processes were followed to the letter or whether there are any acts of criminality or so, that the investigation will pick up in terms of what is expected and what was needed. So there are, for instance, uh, instances where we are saying that, um, you know, the bid, the bills of quantities were, the 2016 bill of quantities were used, that that were used. And we're saying in 2016, the report, I mean, the bill of quantities was by performed one of the technical professional providers. So we are saying that, if in 2016 this bill of quantity was done by a professional quantity, I mean, uh, uh, you know, consultant, and the same quantity um, consultant were appointed in 2020, it was saying there may be a conflict of interest. And this is all in the report as part of the preliminary report or review that we did. So if we have to get deeper into the investigation, that's what we recommend now. In two ways, we can either do it in two ways. If this conversation suggests that a in-depth investigation should be done, then obviously we will put in motion, or if the department does not have the capacity to do that, like we picked up in some of the reports that we do, we found that the department does not have the capacity. Then we institute, then the OAG, the Office of the Accountant General with the Specialized Audit Services then comes in and a detailed investigation then is undertaken And in that case, the forensic, once undertaken, then can be passed on to other relevant uh, authorities in the state that are um, uh, entrusted with that responsibility. Now, the difference here is that obviously there's a proclamation by the president of the SIU to get involved, and that's why the SIU is in the room now. In that way, it then makes sense for the SIU in their investigation, honorable mentor, to then get into the details of all of the points we are mentioning here, if they did not already touch on of those issues. And that's why I think Advocate Mutibi then is saying, it then becomes necessary for us to engage with them on specific matters that we may have looked at, and on specific matters that require further attention in terms of whether uh, there was any act of wrongdoing or if any of the provisions of the instruction notes and the practice notes were not followed. In that case, then, the investigation can then determine whether the expenditure is fruitless, wasteful, or irregular, including then the point that then makes sense as then what corrective actions or consequent management actions must be taken. And if maybe we close the circle here and the AG was on the call or was on this, you would have picked up that the AG then would have then made a determination whether this is fruitless or wasteful Based on the evidence that they would have looked at, so for the purpose of this review report, honourable we were not the intention was not going do everything in in what was expected, because that's not what the what we saw as as critical at this point in time. What was critical was that we must lift obvious issues, and we did lift those obvious issues, and we then recommend that an intensive investigation should then be uh, you know comment. But if the committee then, like, over what the SIU is doing, we must then conduct a further forensic investigation, which is in depth. Then obviously we'll look into that, and we wouldn't, uh, you know, um, not do it if if we are instructed as such. But we we think uh, the uh, SIU is already on it, and we wouldn't want to duplicate efforts that are already put in place. Estelle, I don't know if you want to come in and touch on other matters.
6: Um, thank you DG I think you covered most of it uh, I also just wanted to clarify the statement about the it's only the recommendation for investigation uh, to conduct an investigation that was superfluous uh, but I think you covered most of the questions that was that was posed what we what we can do however is on the questions that, Um, uh, Honourable Member Mente mentioned is to go and and maybe just complete, for completeness sake, look at those questions that she posed and uh, adjust our reports uh, accordingly.
0: All right, that's fine. Um, Colleagues, I just want to make a proposal, uh, but before I do, I'll, I'll consult it with you shortly. Um, just to say, I, I heard uh, Advocate Mutibi um, listing some of the people whom they made a finding against. Was the finding made against
1: the minister, Honourable Chair? Uh, in the in the in the
2: report that uh, that was handed, uh, there is no finding against the
0: minister. I'm I'm going to flag that. That's fine. Thank you. And then to National Treasury, you brought in something which was making reference to the minister. If you could speak about that in one of the slides. Mm -hmm.
1: just can't remember what slide number it was.
6: Is National, yes, yeah. um, I think from the from the minister's directive, and as um, sorry, let me just give my thoughts. And, and as uh, honourable member Graham Murray indicated in the directive, it talks about the contractor and not a contractor, uh, makes us believe that. Um, there was already a contract in place to which the minister was referring to, um, which we did not also um, could not gather the information to, to see whether uh, either um, MAGWA or Prof team was the current service providers, and that was what she was referring to. Um, I think is, if if that is the question that is posed, the other issue is um, the minister's uh, se- segregation of of duty, um, is where she where she is uh, not supposed to interfere with administrative uh, functions of the department. The separation of towers.
0: Sorry. Yes, but don't don't you think that. You having issue with the minister's directive and the lack of clarity should in it itself prompted you to investigate? That on its own should have prompted you to do so. Because that is the basis upon which this entire transaction has happened. So to make an assumption or say you could not gather whether it was the information, or you know, whether there was a contract in place or not. As far as I'm concerned, National Treasury has, in that regard, uh, dropped the ball. And that's why I'm posing the question to, 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 to SIU as to whether a finding was made, because then if the directive has not been looked into, then there's going to be no determination made about uh, the, the, that, that directive. Because I, I'm not getting a sense that National Treasury is speaking authoritatively about that directive as a basis upon which they moved. And, and therefore, as you have heard, the members, almost all of them have raised issue with the directive, and they are justified to do so because you have not looked at it. I think that's the, that's, that's, that's the plain uh, conclusion we can arrive at. Um, that you have glossed over the the, the 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 directive, and as far as we are concerned, that was a shortcoming on your part. So hey, what, what we are? Oh, sorry. Now you may proceed, dg
1: oh, sure.
0: Thank you. Some now uh, on the issues that they've raised, they want to come back to. Yeah.
5: Yes. No, no, no. Thank, what we are saying with the directive. We we are raising it as a matter of concern, and that's why we are saying exactly that we are, and we've underlined issues that are, are a, an issue and a challenge in terms of how this this was raised and somewhere I think the report suggests that it could have been that uh, and you know that, that we we had a there were processes the speed of the processes flouted some of the broad to talk to those underlying underlying issues around the payment and as to it is CFO will be advised. The CFO normally in instances like this should be leading the interventions to determine the costs uh, as part of the process to build up a, a, a work that must be undertaken. So if the CFO is going to be advised, the question then becomes by by who, and, and when, what had happened. So, um, and we are saying a variation is only normally issued if there's a contractual agreement already. So beforehand, there is a variation order that's already in the language that's already brought in. So all we are saying is that it's, we are lifting those issues as matters of concern, and in terms of the explanation that we're getting obviously we can get then deeper into what those are now as to whether we we have dropped the ball chair i would say that firstly we we were not requested by anybody to 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 to, to do this and and i've just said to the team confirmed to the team that we 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 out of public interest and out of the manner that was raised, we took it upon ourselves to
0: do this desktop review in order no, to determine. Gee, whether gee, it was that, made. No, 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 no. That is that is besides the point and substantively immaterial, because when we dealt with this matter, a national treasury appeared before us. We were supposed to have received, or you would have completed the investigation which was pointed out to us in the meeting on the 12th of June. And it's all good and well that you may not have been prompted by anyone, but it's common cause that the reason why we had called that meeting, we would have given a directive that an investigation must have been done, and therefore to issue an instruction to people for work that was already being done would have proven to be futile. And we have we had not received it. So I think it's immaterial who would have given the directive. The issue that is substantive is whether in dealing with the issue you satisfied the process and you satisfied the concern. Because I'm still not getting a sense as to when you are uncertain about whether there was a contract or not, what did you do about it? I think that is fundamentally the issue. So I think let's, let's, let's those other things, um, yes, were well done for being proactive. That's fine. But in your proactiveness should have been then substantive because the nub of the issue here is the directive. The members are, all of them, raising an issue about the directive. And, so, and you yourselves are raising issue about the directive and its uncertainty, but yet not telling us where, how you then probed that directive and its content. I think... Let, 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 let's move from that premise. Uh, TG, I'll I'll halt you there, Dg, and
1: ask members because they've got uh, follow-ups. The first, who is the first, Mr. Chair? Looks
11: like he's frozen. I don't mind being the first. Right, sorry about
0: that. My network does keep crashing. Um, can we get a follow-up uh, from uh, uh, Honorable Dex, Honorable Swartz, uh, Honorable Hattiebe, and Honorable Mente? Honorable Mahau? Honorable Mahau, okay. That, that's fine. In that order, please, briefly.
9: Sorry, Honorable, Honorable, Debs. Honorable Graham, please.
0: All right, that's fine. Honourable Dirks, you are muted,
7: uh, Honourable Dirks. Sorry. Thank, thank you, Chaperson. Chaperson, I think that uh, the minister is uh, missing the point here. Our contention here is that the directive was prescriptive. That is our contention, that that directive was prescriptive, And the Act does not allow, or the Constitution allows, the minister to give a prescriptive uh, directive to a department. The minister must give the directive to the head of the department, which will be the DG in this case, and then all administrative processes will be carried out by that department. The minister does not have the powers to give the prescriptive directions that he- you will do so, this and that, and you will do that and that. That's, not, that's out of the question. That's, that's our bone of contention here. That's our contention. Uh We are not, no one has alleged that the Minister benefited financially. Yet. That's not what we are alleging here. We are saying that it is the descriptive directive that we have a serious problem with, and that must be investigated by the National Treasury and by the SIU. That's what we are saying. Then, I even get more worried when the minister responded to the minister saying that she did not receive weekly reports, she was receiving daily reports. Now, upfront monies of uh, millions was paid upfront even before work was started. Now surely if there was daily reports, the minister was receiving the reports. And that's why I said, we are saying, therefore, the minister must be held accountable for what happened there. Don't all the time blame officials and then don't... Honourable members. Friends and colleagues.
0: Uh, Don't. Sorry. Uh, sorry. 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 All right. Okay.
7: Sorry about the chair. No problem. Chair, the problem here for for for, for us and Honorable Olomisa raised it. And this is a problem we had since 1994 with ministers and departments and DGs in there. In the, in the, in the, where ministers go directly and give direct, uh, directives to officials in the department. Look, all of, control, all of these are raised, and we have a problem with it. And that's why we want to be investigated here, because we need to stop there. That needs to come to an end. Ministers must not be involved in the administrative, uh, administrative processes of the department. So that's all what we are saying, and we want the director to be investigated. Uh, Thank you very much. Okay.
0: That's fine. Um, I will make a proposal in that regard. Uh, Honourable Swart. Honourable Swart is
1: yeah, Thank you, Chair.
13: Um, Chair, all I want to raise is that nobody said the Minister benefited in anything. All we are asking is that the Minister can't also at each and every committee meeting, Chair, want to remind us of acts and what she is allowed to do and what her powers allow her to do. What we are asking here about today is 100% of involvement of members of staff in her office in the Bay Bridge, a a, a procurement of the fence. And that is why I keep on repeating, Chair, that they must give us a report with the dates of the different meetings they held. And if the Minister deems, Chair, that all those meetings attended by her staff members and her chief of leading the delegation to the Bay, uh, bay bridge, bridge to go and check uh, before handing over to the contractors, if it means that part of those powers she is talking about is that her staff members in the form of Rogers, in the form of Whitehead, in the form of... the which are her secretaries and her chief of staff. If it means that those powers means that they are the ones who are supposed to lead delegations to Bait Bridge to check on her behalf, then we should be told so, check. Because then Treasury must outline what is it and the SIU, especially the SIU and Treasury to tell us that when they say that they have a hint of what they are not putting properly on the table, of interference from the minister, they must tell us what it is. But where I am seated at chair is that we can't at every committee meeting that the, the, the minister does not answer questions directly. Because questions that are put to her by the committee members, she does not answer directly the minister. Instead, the minister wants to remind us what powers have been bestowed on her. And every committee meeting, the minister wants to tell us uh, that she, she, she is not benefiting. Nobody in this committee said it in English or Afrikaans and in any language that the minister has benefited from everything. All we are asking a question in relation to what they presented us to us before and what they are giving us now in the form of repairs after an investigation. So somewhere there are cracks like, where both. SIU and Treasury must go back so that better than to Manje, I am thank you. All
0: right, um, um, can we get uh, the Honourable Hadebe with an H?
11: Thank you so much, Honourable Chair. Let me make a follow-up on my uh, uh, initial question, Chair but to also start with the following i would like to get an understanding when did uh, this report uh, lay in its hand in the department that's number one because my question was the minister when she's responding she's saying the accounting officer will deal with the officials involved the report is clear it's recommending disciplinary charges against 14 officials i then ask a question Are these officials still within the department? Are they still responsible for bid evaluation uh, 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 committees? Are they still responsible for issuing tender? Did the department not see it fit to suspend them with immediate effect? As you did with your director general, as we've seen, in the case of Houting Provincial Legislature, where the MEC asked for a leave of absence, as we've seen with the spokesperson in the presidency who asked for a leave of absence. And if this department is serious about corruption, one would have thought by now this official would have been suspended with immediate effect. Uh, so I'd like to get a clear understanding and if they have not been suspended, you tell us why. These are the very same officials who appeared before us with a straight face when we asked them, did we receive value for money? They said yes. We asked them, is there nothing wrong untowards this tender? With straight face, they said there is absolutely nothing wrong with these tenders. Now, those officials, they did not show any sign of remorse whatsoever. They can't be, if indeed this movement suspended, uh, uh, still uh, uh, wandering around uh, 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 adjudication tenders within the department when we have this damning report and evidence before us. I know you as the minister that does not take nonsense. I applaud you to do the honourable thing, and excuse my French honourable minister, but I would have expected you by now that we would have acted accordingly as it has been displayed by others, uh, your counterparts, that they take absolutely zero, zero tolerance when it comes to corruption. And lastly, when are we uh, expecting to get a full report? This report should be in our disposal as soon as yesterday. So I'd like to get a sense and understanding from your side whether or not we'll receive the, the, the report and we'll get a sense of who are these officials involved. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson.
0: Right, that's fine. I think um, the oversight was on my part. Uh, I should have gone back to the DG because those substantive questions around uh, would have been a- about staff. It was what the minister had said, so we will give the DG an opportunity to, to, to
1: speak, right? Honorable Mende? Uh, Honorable Mende? All right,
0: let's proceed. We'll come back to her. Honorable Liz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
12: Um, What I I failed to do earlier was say hello to Dondo, I I miss you at our committee meetings as we used to see you so frequently at finance, and we don't see you much here, so welcome to Scopa from me. Um, Mr Chairman, Dondo is indicating that he doesn't want to duplicate the work with regards to a forensic investigation with the SIU, so I think that's a valid point, however, I would like confirmation that it's not going to fall between the cracks. So, so, Advocate Matibi, um will will the SIU conduct such a forensic investigation, or should SCOPA recommend that National Treasury, um, through the Accountant General, um, undertake such such an investigation? Mr. Chairman, the the question of the report um, that Advocate Matibi Quite correctly says, is the owner owned by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure um, is, is, is somewhat problematical. I understand where Advocate Matibi is coming from, but we have a history, unfortunately, of um, even where committees require reports to be submitted, and I'm not referring now to the SIU in other instances. Um, those reports are simply not sent to us. I mean, we've got an example, for instance, of the Minister of Public Enterprises, Praveen Gordhan, who has not responded to questions from this committee sent to him in May, and we're now at the end of August. And so I, I would like the committee to resolve, Mr. Chairman, that this report be submitted within a week and if we don't get it within a week, we then use the powers of Parliament to subpoena that report, um, and we don't let it get out of our get away from us. Um, I would really ask that we do that. Mr. Chairman, finally, um, Minister DeLille, I'm afraid, in my opinion, as has been expressed by a number of other people, you've been... Uh, Your response was an obfuscation of note. You have not dealt with the issues that you were questioned about. And specifically my question, will you resign or will you not? A simple yes or no um, is all that's required. Will you resign or will you not resign? Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: All right, Uh, Honourable Mente is back, and then Honourable Mahal and Honourable Graham.
8: Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, I don't know what I've missed. The system kicked me up. If you
0: you duplicate, I'll let you know.
8: Okay. Uh, Chair, back to my question again. Uh, The acting DG, I believe, is is going to speak. Uh, Minister, uh, I understand your position very well, but to say the officials, you don't account for officials, you account for a DG. That's an unaccepted Because the moment, it doesn't matter whether the law says you only account for a DG, you don't account for officials. The moment the SIU report lands on your table, you ought to take responsibility as an executive authority and ensure and and, and have interest in knowing now that we've been appearing to so many committees of parliament, me taken to task myself as a minister about the bait Bridge irregular expenditure, which now has turned out that it was even a fruitless and wasteful expenditure. You ought to have a special interest in finding who are the 14 officials. They might not be directly reporting to you, but you should take special interest in knowing who, who who's these people that they are talking about, and ask the DG who reports directly to you, what have you done? Remove them, suspend them, do whatever you have to do. Because one, your reputation, whether the law says you you, you look into this one or that one, your reputation is on the land, you are the executive authority, you are the minister of this department. Two, the department belongs to you, whether the law, the PFMA says accounting authority, the department belongs to you. So you can't come and say, no, when now you can't report about them even if you miss certain points but you ought to have information as to out of the 14 this is what the dg or the acting dg dg told me about them was correct are they still there that should have been your special interest to say but these people accounted to even my team and said everything is above board but when Parliament indicated and directed directed me to specific areas of irregularities, they still said, no, it's correct. Which you yourself, in our last meeting, you said, you are part of the people that are pushing for investigations because something is not sitting well with you. Your intuition is telling you straight that something is wrong. But today you can't just say, Direct You can't direct us to someone to report, even if you miss information, but you ought to give us something that from my side, I ask them what have they done about the fourteen people and the second part is s i u does not have an obligation to release the report because it's not a proclamation. your department by now you should not be worried about saving people's names. It's a credible institution, SIU says, one, two, three, four, five to 14, special findings against each and every one of them. We should know by now, Officer A, this is what they did. Officer B is responsible for that. Officer C, was responsible for this, and this is what I have done from my office. This is what had happened from the office of the DG or directors or whoever is responsible there. Then secondly, Chair, on my follow-up, Treasury, you are the custodian of the money of this country, whether you like it or not. Yes, you have done this out of public interest and all those things. But the fact that this thing have been coming, the minister blew a whistle herself. eh, eh. Something is not sitting well with me here. We saw the pictures. Chief procurement officer, you know what must be procured that gives an indication or an image or something that depicts a proper fence which is suitable for a border. So, CPO was supposed to already read between the Lanskore and N. This fence does not depict anything that can block even a chicken from crossing. And therefore, Treasury was supposed to look into it deeper. If you had seen that SIU is taking this part of investigation, you ought to dig deeper in terms of expenditure of rents and cents and comparison of pricing, which is your territory, by the way. It's you, Treasurer, who gives us prescriptions on how to price what, where, how. Chief Procurement Officer, you are the one. You're the custodian, then you can't say you, you thought you must just play safe and this. and These people are going to run away. You can't play safe. So you ought to drill down and give us something. Even before AG, AG is gonna take forever putting evidence here and there. And we know the shortcomings of our own AG in terms of performance auditing. Because this, they are going to to audit exactly what those officials were telling us. That here's an invoice. Here's the money you unleashed from treasury. Here are the invoices, accountability is fine. In terms of how we measure, the current auditing, we are fine. But in terms of the performance audit, the final product is not what is on the invoice. So you know that route. You can't really shift us to that All particular route. Right. Thank you very much, Chair. All right, the Honorable Mahgau. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. I must register my disappointment on the response of the minister by defending the position he has taken to give directive to appoint some of the officials. Whether you you, you you look the act upside down, there is no way that the executive authority can be given that directive to intervene or interfere on administrative issues. I think your, your advisor must really come closer to you, otherwise you will be compromised. The only role you are supposed to play is to make the point that the budget within the department is used or spent economically, efficiently, and effectively, and there is value for money. And unfortunately, you did not mention that. You just mentioned that as per the Section 38 of PFMA, Section 85 of the Constitution, we have the right to do so. It's really disappointing. Coming to SIU, now that there is proclamation and there is new evidence against the minister. Are there any time frames you can give us to make the point that we
9: have dealt this
8: matter? Thank you very much, Jefferson.
0: Right. So, Honourable
9: Graham. Thank you, Chair. Thanks for the opportunity to um, speak again. First of all, I'd like to just say that this issue has come before the portfolio committee on a number of occasions. And on those occasions that we've had presentations prior to these SIU reports coming out, we were advised that everything was above board and done according to spec, etc. In addition, questions that we posed to the minister in writing and in the meetings also gave us an indication that everything was above board. And the answers to these questions came through long after the Auditor-General had been employed to look into this project. I asked questions on the appointment of the um, service provider, on the contractor. The response I was given was that the contractor um, was appointed because they are already um, established on site at Bridge, and that there would be no financial implications in terms of the site establishment. Um, and that they had scheduled rates which had been supplied um, in 2016. And on that basis, um, the pricing was done. And also that. Um, that the scoping was done for the project um, on the 17th of March um, 2020. So, the responses we were given as to the appointment of the contractor were based on the fact that the contractor was already working at Byte Border Post um, on another project. Um, So, again, that that references the directive from the minister where she says appoint the contractor. Um, One of the questions I did want to ask was – In the SIU report, it references that the technical report um, and investigation was done by the PICC. Now, we've had no sight of of this report. We have no sight of the terms of reference of their their interventions. Um, We don't know how they were appointed, um, who was on their task team, and we don't know the outcomes of that. The response that I got to a written question that I submitted to the minister was that The the fence had been designed by an engineer. It had been used, it had been um, built using off the shelf products. So there was no um, additional engineering that was required with respect to it. So it wasn't a specialized fence of any sort. And that it had been signed off by, and it had been signed off at the end of the project by an engineer. In addition, um, it had been um, built according to the specifications of the product used. So, in terms of the written response I have on that fence, everything was done according to spec and signed off, and we were still waiting. We were just waiting for those final sign-off reports from the engineers on that. So, that then would have been the task, to my understanding, of the, um, of prof team, CC. They would have had to have signed off on that. So, um, I think that also needs to be looked into because that would have been a role that they would have played, and they clearly haven't, because now, according to, to the reports that we're receiving, and um, this fence was in no way, shape or form um, adhering to any engineering specifications. Thank you.
0: All right, <clears throat> colleagues, thank you very much. We're going to go to get responses. Uh acting DG um, will give the responses that are required. Um, I think we... Equal the other framed the way forward, so let's get the responses and then we'll make uh, proposals. And so far, in uh, so far as how we move forward, so right. Let me uh,
1: go to the minister and then the DG, acting DG, SIU, and then national treasury. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson. Thank you, Honourable Members. Um, Honourable
13: Chairperson, in terms of the staff of uh, the Minister, they are appointed in terms of Section 912A of the Public Service Act. and If they have violated any of the employment conditions, they must be treated in terms of that. Secondly, I, I I do think a chairperson that I need to deal with you know allegations that I don't answer questions mm-hmm. when I when I do come before the committee. I certainly welcome any further investigation by the uh, SIU or the national treasury because that is their constitutional mandate, and I will give my full cooperation to both entities because we need to work together. The second point, chairperson, and if I make a reference to certain sections of the law, uh, it's because I am before a, a parliamentary committee of parliament. The separation of powers uh, in terms of the constitution means the separation of powers between the executive parliament and uh, and, and the judiciary, and I certainly do understand the separation of powers. I certainly welcome that all of these allegations must be tested. I think it would be good if National Treasury and the SIU test this, uh, the, the constitutional provisions of Section 85(2C) and also Section 38 of the PMFA and Section 64. Allegations remain allegations until they are been tested, and that leads me to the question of honourable or, or, or honourable Lease. You will you will recall just about two years ago, the same question was put to me. I turned to the courts and I won four court cases at the High Court because we are all equal before the law. We are all subject. To, to 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 get also protection by the law. So I'm not running away from any responsibility. In fact, I will welcome the interpretation by National Treasury, the interpretation of 852C in the Constitution, the interpretation of Section 38, the interpretation of 64, because members of parliament must hold us to account in terms of the laws that have been made by parliament. So I'm not running away. I, I I I welcome, you know, we're in a new democracy, we've got a new constitution, and as we set legal precedents around some of these issues and get the legal interpretation correct, it will only enhance accountability, it will only enhance um, how we need to 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 do our, our work. Um, then uh in terms of honorable I think it's honorable Kadebe, what I was saying again in terms of the law we will all be guided by the law the role and responsibility of the minister is to act when it is the director general only in terms of action against people below the director general that is the role of the director general and therefore, Before I'm accused of interfering again, I've asked that the acting director general give us a full report about um, what is happening, how far we are with the implementation of the recommendations of of the the, the SIU report. Um, So um, I will continue to to answer questions to many uh, to, uh, uh, to. to the Honourable Members of Parliament. Honourable Chairperson, in terms of requesting the the report, the report must be given to the Members of Parliament. The, 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 and the only issue, Chairperson, is that- I'm,
11: I'm sorry to interject. Okay, is that a point of
14: order? Yes.
11: Yes. yes. yes yeah chair i think the question was clear okay can, can you hear me i can hear Yes, you, yes. proceed. I want to hear the point of order yeah. yes. the, 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 the minister um on, on second occasion and uh, she's not responding to, to the question we understand that it becomes the director's general responsibility to discipline but the same director general reports to the minister. Has the minister requested information on action taken by the director general in relation to the 14 officials as right. a to the SIU, you, if you had interest in okay. the... All right, all right.
0: That point you made earlier, if she had an interest, let's go to the substantive question. What action steps has the minister taken as a response to the report? I think that is the, the, the question has been asked and now emphasized. Right, minister?
13: Yes, thank you, Honorable Chairperson uh, Honorable Khadebe. Yes, I have requested information about further actions. The only difference is I'm saying that the Acting Director General is here, Chairperson, and right in the beginning, I've asked the Chairperson to allow him to give that report. I have seen the report, I have seen the recommendations, so I will request that the Acting DG give the Honourable Committee members a full uh, a briefing um, about the report. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to run away on Honourable Khadebe. Thank you for the question. All right, Thank the
1: Acting DG.
8: Sorry, so Chair. Yes, Honorable Mente. When, when um, Member Hadebe raised on a point of order, the Minister was talking about the release of the report. She didn't finish unless I didn't hear her. Right, Minister. And she finalized that point. Thank you.
13: Yes, Honorable Mente, thank you. I did say that the Honorable Members are entitled to the report. The report should not be withheld from any of the members. What I did say that we are in a process of testing the allegations. And what I will do is to share a legal opinion that we've received about the report with the honorable members. We can send it to the honorable chair. Thank you very
0: much. Okay, well that's fine. We will, I will make a determination about that. At the the meeting. Right, acting DG.
14: Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and members of the committee. Uh, Chairperson, I will focus on the, the current status of the implementation of all the recommendations arising from the investigation. But before I go there, there were certain technical questions raised about the number of matters that were investigated as part of the procurement process, as well as the delivery of the border sense. The first issue that was raised, Chairperson, is the question of the bid proposal by the company, and whether or not the company wrote its own specifications and bill of quantities, and as a result, the department then signed off on this particular project. Uh, and in response, Chairperson, I want to, to 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 share with the committee that on the 17th of March 2020, the department, together with all the stakeholders, undertook the site visit as has been explained by the earlier speakers and on the same day the company who we subsequently appointed as the professional consultant and they were named as prof team on the 17th of march 2020 which was a tuesday they developed the draft ball of quantities using the pricing in the 2016 contract at the Bridge border post and they used that and they submitted that to the department for consideration the department then gave this to the company called magua construction magua construction then looked at it and made some adjustments to that bill of quantities and sent it back to the department and the department then adopted it as the final bill of quantities and it amounted to 37 million rand now what is important Chairperson, that i wish to point out is the company prof team that developed the bill of quantities did so before they were appointed they developed it on tuesday the 17th however they were only appointed by the department on Thursday, the the, the, the 19th of March 2020. So that was an irregularity. And I think Treasury also pointed out that one of the other peculiarities is that the company, uh, Magua Construction, was appointed after the consultant. That is normally uh, 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 against a normal sequence of events. You, You usually appoint the consultant first to develop the bill of quantities, And on that basis, you request a proposal from construction companies and appoint the construction company thereafter. Here we had an inversion of events. So to move forward from there, Chairperson, another question was raised about who signed off on all of these things and uh, what were the circumstances. What I'd like to say is that on Wednesday, the the 18th of March, 2020, we appointed Magwa Construction. And the National Bid Adjudication Committee then uh, appointed the, the company and approved the appointment. But no tender documents or bid documents that you find in a normal tender process, as the SIU mentioned earlier, bid adjudication, bid adjudication processes were followed. No documents were actually served between the bid committee. It was merely uh, a request to make an appointment of the company as the most convenient way to deal with the particular emergency. Moving over to the issue of signing the advance payment. Chairperson, what I'd like to say is that the advance payment was made within days of the award of the contract to the company before any material was delivered on site. And what transpired is that the principal agent, being prof Team, repaired what they call progress payment number one. And that demonstrated that progress was achieved, implying that material was delivered on site. But no material was actually delivered on site, so it was a misrepresentation. And uh, as a result of that misrepresentation, the department then made an advance payment to almost 60 percent of the contract value. And this formed the basis of the fraud charges that uh, we plan to lay with the with the police in due course. Chairperson, uh, moving on to other questions that were raised, um, there was a question raised about uh, the feasibility study. And, and and how uh, that particular process was undertaken. And what I'd like to say is that no feasibility study was undertaken in respect to this particular project. However, it must be borne in mind that this Bay Bridge border project is part of a bigger project of 700 kilometers along the borderline between South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Botswana. So there was some kind of high-level feasibility conducted in terms of the implementation of this project, but the feasibility for the 20-kilometer project at Bait Bridge that was undertaken was not uh, uh, consummated at all, and that is probably the reason why the the, the project was conducted in such a haphazard way and with the kind of consequences that we have uh, we have seen. With respect to uh, other questions that was asked about the variation order, what I want to say, Chairperson, at the Bay Bridge border post? We have a repairs and maintenance contractor. It's what they call a ram contractor. And the company, Magua Construction, as well as the principal agent prof team, uh, is the, the duo or the team that does maintenance at the border post. So when we speak about the variation order that was referred to by the other speakers, they were talking about using these two contractors to issue with them with a variation order to put up the Bay Bridge border fence. But what transpired is that in due course, there was an appreciation that the border fence along the borderline is a separate matter altogether from the maintenance being, con- uh, being conducted currently at the border post itself. So they abandoned this variation or the idea, but they had gone too far down the line in this regard, and they needed to use somebody to get this project going. So they used the two companies at the border fence, uh, at the border post, Magua and Proftin, and they simply called it uh, a negotiated strategy. So all of these were irregular in terms of the treasury regulations for procurement and in particular for emergency procurement. Now, Jefferson, uh, the the, the question asked by the the colleagues as well towards the end is about the PICC and how they were selected and what the scope of the work of the PICC is. What I'd like to say is that the investigation team comprising of ourselves and the SIU looked at a number of possibilities to bring on board professional uh, engineers and, and, and quantity surveys in particular, to help us with uh, the conduct of an assessment about value for money uh, at the border post uh, in, in terms of the fence, as well as uh, to determine whether the construction itself and the final product was in accordance with the specification. So that technical uh, team uh, was required to complete the investigation and we looked at a number of options. And the easiest option seemed to be the PICC technical unit because they had the expertise, they were independent from the department, and more uh, important to us, they also came at no charge. So that uh, uh, removed the need for a procurement process with our own emergency. We didn't want to go that route. So they were available and they had the expertise and they, they were of great assistance to us. And,
0: um, uh, I just wonder, the issues you are reading, the issues you are raised substantively covered in the
1: report, which the ISIU has done. Chairperson, I move, I'll move.
14: Yeah,
1: Chairperson, i hear you.
0: No, no, no. I'm asking, I'm not saying, I haven't seen the report. I'm asking Are the issues you are narrating? Is covered in the reports
14: by the SIU to the department. Oh, I understand, Chairperson. Uh, um, uh, uh, they are covered substantively in the report, Chairperson. Uh, I'm, I'm essentially quoting from the report uh, uh, in my Marist- uh, response. Then
0: I, I asked because then, uh, if you are able to discuss the report, and I don't see why we should not receive the report, if you can narrate it. It lays, it, it opens, because I think that members, as they've said, we want the report. So I wanted to gauge that so that what you say here, then we get the report, and then it's something different. So if you are speaking to it, that's fine. You may proceed.
14: Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, um, moving on to the issue of uh, the uh, suspension of the staff, I must uh, uh, um, share with you all the implementation uh, items under the recommendations. the first one is the the, the disciplinary action against the fourteen individuals. And in my discussion with the minister and the approach we had taken, we took a decision to undertake the disciplinary recommendations with speed, with unprecedented speed, so that we give everybody their chance before a proper tribunal to defend themselves against the allegations contained in the report, and uh, we are currently doing so internally, uh, and we've mobilized our entire legal services uh, uh, chief director to assist with the prosecution of all these cases. But we've not suspended anybody, Chairman, I must say, Afran, that we took a decision that we should give everybody the chance to defend themselves and follow that due process and, and allow them the opportunity to to rebut the allegations or to give their side of the story and in that context pursue the disciplinary recommendations contained in the report. Uh, Chairperson, moving on to the other recommendations with respect to the criminal charges. Uh,
0: Yes, Uh,
14: Honorable Swartz.
13: Chair, I think that uh, the department must first give us their report, Chair. Because now instead of the DG responding to what the members asked is giving us the report which we don't have, which we can't see And, and we can't even reference to that report
0: Okay, I think though substantively and concretely what is important is that nobody we are being told has been suspended because I thought that was the thrust of the questions uh, not the detailed narrative of the report. The report we'll read ourselves and pose questions uh, accordingly. Uh, because I mean, in now as you are saying, we can't reference what you're saying. We can't follow. So, but nonetheless, you've you, you've laid the foundation for us to receive the report and we'll take it from there. But I think the the, the issues. Specific names were given, uh, so on, Miss Whitehead, amongst others. The SIU has said that um, a finding was made, and so uh, it's safe to assume that the acting DG is saying they are not suspended, they remain at work. And so we juxtapose that uh, what, against what Honorable Hattab has said and the examples he gave about suspensions elsewhere. All right. So, uh, DJ, I think you you note what the members are saying that um, we don't have the report currently, uh, but of course it must be submitted. All right. All right. We may proceed.
14: Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Jefferson, I'd just like to, uh, with uh, in a short space of time, just take the members of the committee through the current status of all the recommendations. The disciplinary charge, as I've mentioned is currently being processed by our Deputy Director General of Corporate Services under the uh, auspices of our legal uh, chief directorate. With respect to the civil recommendations as well as the criminal charges, Jefferson, what I want to say is that we've now obviously referred this matter to the SIU on the 27th of July, 2020, and they've explained their processes within the SIU. And the criminal charges are very closely linked to the work of the SIU. The criminal charges in our report relate primarily to the misrepresentations made to pay out 60% of the contract price within four days of the commencement of work on site. And what the SIU is doing to assist us is to identify that beyond the principal agent, who misrepresented that work was done on on the project when it was not uh, uh, at the stage of completion was claimed, as well as the invoices of the contractor. We also have staff members in the department who were responsible for signing off the paperwork. Now, we've identified at least one person who may be culpable for putting through this paperwork, but there may be others, and the SIU is seeking to assist us to identify the whole chain in the business process to to to, to formulate charges against all those uh, who may have been uh, uh, culpable for this misrepresentation. So the criminal charges will be laid also concurrently with the SIU processes that are currently being undertaken. With res- right. respect to, on a point of
8: order,
0: right, Honourable Mente
8: chairperson, oh, The acting DG is playing shop steward. He is now an employer. If he says he is going to follow the SIU recommendations where criminal charges are concerned, why isn't he doing the same thing where disciplinary actions are concerned? Because it's the unions that must say they must be given and afforded an opportunity to be heard and protect themselves, than him telling us that those employees must be given an opportunity. His is to do what the employer has to do, suspend them, remove them from the system, and set disciplinary procedures in place. Because he should be now convinced that they have breached certain laws in terms of procurement and do what the employer must do. You can't play shop steward and say you are waiting for a, a, a fair procedure, what not. No, the unions will, will occupy that space. You can't play shop steward. Do on the left what you can do on the right. Thank you, chair. Right.
0: Let, let, let's do this because, you see, I, I was trying to caution the DG uh, earlier on. I'm going to ask him to stop there because this big report we don't have. So, and unless we have the report to cross-reference what he's saying, none of what he's saying makes sense. I'm not sure whether I'm making sense now, because he's he's saying I'm going to go now to the recommendations. We don't know what we we have we have to read those recommendations in the context of the report mm-hmm. first. So I think what transpires here is that we will get the report and then just have a follow up then when we have looked at it, because I'm sitting here now, I'm, 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 it, it makes it very difficult to follow. I think the substantive matter that colleagues were asking was, has action been taken? And I think the response suffices when the acting DG says, um, in disciplinary processes are underway and nobody has been subs- has been suspended i think that is that 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 is what we we, we we take we take out of it so i think it's best that we we, we get the report and then when the dg speaks he speaks with something we can we, we have in front of us so i think let, let's leave it at that uh, so that uh, we, we we don't cause uh, the confusion, right? Acting DJ, unless there's something else on your side, I would like to move to the SIU and then to National Treasury. All right, one second. Honourable Swartz and Honourable Hartebe, points of order on your side. Um, Chair, I just want to say that having listened
13: to what we couldn't exactly follow from the acting DG side that when, when, when he says a technical team or a technical head led the delegation, in his report, he must specify that the technical head is Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so. Because what I also did not get a response on Chair, which I asked was that is it true or not that the chief of staff led a delegation to Bay Bridge before the project started. And the response was not given. Whereas there are dates on which he went there, and specifically on the day they went, they met the South African Defence Force, which was on the same day they met the, the contractors at Bay Bridge. They did not answer that. So in his report, When he gives us the report, he must revise. When he says technical, there must be names to who are the technical heads. Thank you, Chair.
0: All right. That's fine. All right. Honorable Hartebe. And
1: uh, if we can all be mindful of time now. uh, Honorable
11: Hartebe. Technology is dealing with me, Chair You are
0: too young for you to for that to happen to you, Baba. But
11: can 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 you not? No, no, I, I, I am very. You are very. Yes, I'm saying we're very uh, disappointed, uh, the response from the DG. The report is clear that there are possibility of fraud, irregular expenditure to the amount over 21 million. Now it is clear, Chair, that some animals are more equal than the other. The DG was suspended. Yet the very same officials who have potential of causing fraud are still in charge, are still within the employment of the state responsible for bid adjudication committees. How much more fraud do you want them to commit before you act? And suspending an individual does not mean you're not going to afford that individual an a fair chance of representing him or herself. So what the DG is saying that they did not suspend because they want to give them a fair chance to represent themselves does not hold water. Suspension does not take away those rights. We are very disappointed, Chair. We must note it and it must be recorded that it appears that some animals are more equal than the other. Why suspend the DG and not suspend uh, uh, the the others who committed similar uh, uh, cases of irregular expenditure and there's possibility of fraud?
0: I think let's do this. Let's get the report. Look at the report. We will look at the process that the department is following. And then, parallel to that, the department to provide us with a schedule of where, of, of, of transactions in which these implicated officials have been involved in during this time to date. Because if they remain at work and they are processing things, we want to know what they what are they doing, and so that when we get the report, can it be accompanied by that, to underscore what your honourable Hadebe is saying, uh, so that we can then zoom into the transactions uh, which they are part of. But let's <clears throat> let's get the holistic report. I think that, that that that's the substantive basis upon which we will move on.
1: All right, uh, SIU. Mm-hmm. No, thank you, thank you, Chair. Um,
2: uh, just to restate that uh, uh, we we investigated uh, as part of the uh, a secondment agreement, and at the end of it, the report becomes the report of the department. So. Yeah. So in that in, in that context, uh, if, there's, uh, if there's any different views uh, about the report, uh, uh, we, 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 are, we are welcome to to shed some light. If there's any if there's any inquiries or questions, um, uh, and I mean to the to the department that is, if the department still wants uh, further further inquiries okay in terms of the in terms of the, um, uh, the forensic investigation uh, i do agree with the dg treasury uh, uh, that uh, ssiu is, is 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 investigating and we've got the proclamation now uh, i can guarantee honorable least that we will not leave uh, anything unattended to we will conduct that forensic investigations comprehensively uh,
0: Chair, I think I wanted to just uh, make those uh, those points. Right. Can we go to the DG, Unga Ngalis, right? DG of National Treasury. Uh, thank you, Chair. I didn't know Mr. Liz is my friend, but, you know,
5: I welcome the friendship. Oh, just, just recap. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Thank you again. I, maybe we will, as, as we work together, we, we will have to understand the expectation from Scopa because we just moved on the prim, on the premises of how we used to engage with Scopa before. Let me remind members to at least three examples. Whether you are looking at the Tegeta coal contracts in the past, whether you look at the, the the and it was an issue of national interest at the time. Whether you look at the IEC headquarters at the time, whether you look at the free-headed dairy farm at the time, you will notice that it started same way like this, where there was a review, and then based on the res- criminal results, those were taken into more in-depth study of what exactly happened in through a forensic process, and the reports at any of those instances could have it would be made available so i would i would say as, as the you know advocate motivo was saying we, we obviously there won't be need for us to go any further uh, but i have a point that says for some matter like this we should have gone into too a detail right at the beginning and address some of some of that and if we are not getting any documentation we should have insisted on the documentation whether it's big documents whether it's minutes etc because Normally, those are the things that we would request. But I think for 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 now, chair, I would I would I would maybe leave it here and say we will all make ourselves available uh, through the details information. I mean, information that we have in during our draft review report and make it available to the SIU for an in-depth, uh, you know, study and investigation and forensic investigation as to what happened here and make ourselves available, whether it's from a systems point of view in providing. Payment, not, uh, you know, information, or any other matter that may assist the process uh, in getting this matter to find um, and and then we can then leave it at that. Thanks, chair. Oh,
0: All right, no, that's fine. No, I I hear you, uh, DG, but and I and I agree with you, but I think you must also take the the, the perspective which we are coming from. Okay. This was one of the first transgressions or transactions of COVID, which raised eyebrows and public concern. And so ordinarily you would have expected that you use that one as a yardstick measure of any other investigation you would do and that's why in-depth becomes the issue and that's why I I, I was underscoring the issue which the directive is an area of concern and you have not substantively looked at it. think that's where you become Different an uh, outlook which says this was it was one of the first if not the first. Um, in, there was the EE government one in in Gauteng as well, but this one is so. I think that's where we're coming from. So I, I, But I, I, I agree we may have further uh, in, in discussions and, and inputs. And I underscore what you are saying. If you are saying if you are not receiving bid adjudication documents, in my mind, I hear you saying when you interacted with Public Works, you didn't get those documents. If I can just clarify that.
5: No, um, Chair, the details of what we've got and what we did not get are uh, detailed in the 13-page document. No, I was just giving that as an example.
0: okay no No, that's fine all right colleagues i think we 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 have come to the the closure but not the end because this is an ongoing matter Uh, and i think that colleagues have framed the the future quite clearly would we are expecting things to be done right and so i i i would want to colleagues Recommend that um, national treasury uh, performs the in-depth investigation uh, with the state accountant general to look at, amongst others, including but not limited to the directive by the minister and relevant uh, or yeah, relevant interventions which came with it. So in other words, I'm saying the role of the minister must be investigated um, so that we can bring that to a logical conclusion. So, um, Treasury, if you can within 14 days us, are going back to that. And I'll tell you why the issue of the directive becomes important in the role of the minister. As a comparison, you had the Department of Water Affairs where a large number of contracts and interventions were carried out on the basis of ministerial directives in as much as it was provided for in law. But along the way, it caused problems in that department, and so you will understand. Members raise it from a, 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 a historic perspective of precedence that we have seen something similar before, where the nub of the issue is a ministerial directive, and so we need to clarify it. So it that so, DG, we are expecting you uh, to 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 do that particularly also because you had raised it yourselves in your own presentation. So to provide us with with, with that, and the minister has indicated she's prepared to cooperate. So there's no no problem there. We want a report and we will then test what you bring before us. Um, Secondly, um, the report by the SIU handed over to the department, I think that process is correct if you look at the fact that the SIU in proclamations hands over the report to the presidency, we would ordinarily then get that report from the presidency. I think that would let us observe that due process that the the, the, the body responsible to hand over the report to us will be the department. So, uh, Minister, we would like that report by Friday, uh, this week, so that uh, members can have a look at it and in preparation for the joint oversight that we will be joining by the Portfolio Committee uh, of Public Work so that we go to Bait Bridge next week, uh, or, or, or already armed with information. That becomes uh, very, very uh, important. I'm, I must express on behalf of the committee the dissatisfaction, just for the record colleagues, that the Auditor General was asked to investigate on the 20th of April. Today is the 25th of August, and yet that investigation has not been completed. That kind of slow pace in work is totally unacceptable. Because it sets the tone then that the 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 confidence we are trying to build into law enforcement agencies and other entities to move with the necessary speed will not happen i take nothing away from what the siu has done i think they have moved with that kind of speed but here i'm just making the 20th of april and to date we have there's nothing either on the minister's desk or on our desk so Th- that leaves a, a very bitter taste in one's mouth. I just and so, um, Advocate Mutibi, as of course we have interacted last week, we are, uh, you know, giving you the necessary uh, uh, support. That, in the context that the things that need to be done will be done. And as we said, the meeting we had last week was a meeting of pleasantries. The nation is about results, and our tone will be totally different we have got this committee, as you have heard, members across the the political spectrum. There's a zero appetite on our part for the tolerance of corruption and a lack of consequence management and a failure to move with the necessary speed. And so on that note, we expect the department itself to set into motion disciplinary processes that inspire confidence that things are being done correctly. Indeed. So the department must understand that, that we are not converting ourselves into a DC, but things must be done correctly. So we will gauge what the department is doing against the background uh, of the report that uh, we will receive. So I think, uh, colleagues, as I'm saying, this matter doesn't end. Uh, we, uh, The chairperson of public works, Wongwane uh, has indicated to us, what there's a, an oversight of that committee, and so that is part of a coordinated effort on Parliament's part. Uh, we must not duplicate activities and, and resources, so we will be joining uh, the, the, that uh, oversight. Uh, and I appreciate colleagues that, notwithstanding that it's a weekend, uh, when we'll be doing that, you have agreed. You are indeed Sosha, and I think uh, it's an active demonstration of our own commitment to make sure that uh, things uh, get done. So I would like to, uh, at this point, thank the minister, Minister Dilil, thank Deputy Minister Kivit, the DG of National Treasury, and the head of unit of the SIU, all the officials um, whom have been present uh, here. I would like to thank members as well. uh, uh, Hello? Chairman? when is the oversight uh next weekend to check the group okay yeah no we'll discuss it just that it's something that's officially landed on our desk this morning when i spoke to the chairperson and so that's why it's been communicated but uh, there's in principle agreement that we will join uh, on that regard so colleagues um, I, I think that uh, we 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 are handling this matter
1: correctly uh, because we are emphasizing on due okay. process. Bob. All right. So on that note, uh, honourable members, have
0: a wonderful afternoon, and we'll see you in the sitting. Uh, do take care and be safe. Uh, and I just want to, of course, uh, offer condolences to the ANC. Uh, parliamentary caucus on the passing on of another member uh, yesterday. Uh, we, and of course, condolences to Parliament uh, who advocate parliament. I also want to... Yeah, there's somebody who's calling
11: me, but they are not audible. I think it's Honorable Somio, uh Yes, yes. He is, he is not audible, Chair. Yeah. Um, so...
0: I just want to then conclude by saying, of course, we welcome Bob.
5: Well,
0: you can hear you now, but go back.
2: Not uh, just on the order general and the department. Yes. Uh, speaking with the AG, the AG team had a meeting with the department because it looks like their team, they, their team, which was doing work there, came before Otter General's team got in there. And the AG found their work based uh, on the specification. That indeed, what they were going to do is the same, what is going to be done by the minister's uh, team. and And they found out that they can't do the same work with the team of the department, and they wrote to the department, they had a meeting with the department. So the department is aware that the AG has pulled off uh, from that uh, kind of work. So so coming into the meeting and say, the AG has not reported as yet,
0: that something else. Right, no, <clears throat> we will discuss that uh when but, we uh, meet, I, I know I know what you are saying, Opsoma, we will discuss it. I think we, we will have. Of the AGs, so at least yeah. certain things which are not right, uh, let me clear them. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's what I'm saying. We, that's why I accept your intervention. Um, we will discuss it uh, 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 further. Um, and I think also on that note, of course, we welcome Mamdolashe, Honorable Ment, and Honorable Somio back. Uh, and uh, as they were conducting the interviews for the next Auditor General. And um, from what we saw, you've handled the process well, and we hope the outcome will be just as well. So colleagues, thank you very much. Have yourselves a wonderful afternoon. The meeting stands adjourned. chant. Thank you, Chair. Thank
2: you, thank
1: you, Chair. Thank you, thank you, thank you, chair. Chair. Thank you. Thank you chair. Sure, thanks, bye. <coughs> Bye. Thank (music) you. we